All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. We have lots to talk about. I got something going. I got something cooking here. This is the big leagues. It's New York. I said I was in the worst neighborhood, man. I said I had a near-death experience. Crazy? Robert, if you've been through what I've been through in the past month, you'd be, you'd be crazy too. Welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. Today's show is brought to you by, make sure we got it this time. This is our fourth or fifth take, by the way. MyPillow.com. If you get a chance, go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code TJCS. You get up to 66% off on all of the items. Right now, there's a big, huge slipper sale. I don't know if you're a big slipper person. I am. I like slippers. So go to MyPillow.com. Punch in promo code TJCS. Now. That we got that out of the way, finally. Our guest is Tommy Dowling. Tommy is a registered nurse here in New York. He is right now on administrative leave from Stony Brook Hospital, and that is because of the vaccine mandates. So I want to welcome you, Tommy. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate Thank you. It. Sorry about the four or five takes from it's Mike right. Lindell. He's worth it. I have a whole bunch of his pillows. Okay, <laughs> so, all right. All and right, I'm actually right. buying his towel set soon. So. Yeah, you, and make sure you use the promo code TJCS. I will. <laughs> so before we get into your story here, tell us a little bit about yourself for people that don't know who you are. Uh, so my name is Thomas Dowling. I am a registered nurse since 2006. Um, I basically my I started my career at Mather uh, Hospital in Port Jefferson. I worked on the telemetry unit there for two years. From there, I went to uh, started a travel um, assignment. I uh, went to Reno, Nevada, uh, for assignment there. Ended in a disaster, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, and then I came back um, to New York, and then I worked at Mount Sinai Hospital um, for a quick three-month uh, stint. And then I was kind of just working per diem at Mather. Um, then I went to Arizona. I was working uh, at um, uh, St. Joseph's Hospital in Phoenix, Arizona. Worked there for a year. And then I came back. Um, been in Stony Brook since 2010, December 2010. And um, that's pretty much where I'm at. What, so. what made you want to, you know, and at what age did you made you want to become a nurse? I mean, it's it's not a it's it's not a job. You know, you have to yeah. you you have to be loving it, or you have to be wanting to be in that field. It's not something you say. Well, you know, I could be a lawyer, I could be a nurse, I could work at UPS. You know, I mean, could it, be a fireman. Yeah, fireman. <laughs> I mean, once you say that you want to get into the medical profession, you know, that's it's a passion. Yep. To, to be able to do that and to help people. It is. How did that uh, come about with you? Uh, for me, it was, um, you know, I, my my life has been, like, I've been through hell and back, you know, many times over. So, um, What do you mean was, by that? Uh, just different experiences in my life where just not following, you know, what I, you know, knew was not right. You know, like, to me, I feel like, you know, we all have that connection to God and um, I wasn't honoring the the direction I felt that uh, he wanted me to go. And every time I went against it, thinking I'm, I know better, <laughs> he puts me right back in my place. And uh, yeah, so I, it was, um, my life uh, was, has been interest. It's been an interesting journey. I'll put, leave it at that. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so there was at a point that maybe you were at rock bottom, whatever it sounds like that you weren't doing the right thing. And then you had this epiphany, I would assume to ha- what help people. Yeah, it was. Um, so originally uh, before I, years ago, before I did travel nursing, before I was even a nurse, I actually um, I just literally just traveled the country. I just one day um, I was like 22 years old, not sure what I was going to do in my life, and uh, you know I saw um, a thing on um, uh, the History Channel about the OK uh, Corral, the shootout at the OK Corral, and I'm like, hmm, Arizona, that sounds like a great place. 
month later, I was there, you know, with uh, my now uh, first wife, who was uh, now my ex-wife. Um, and we just up and left. And, you know, before I went there, I was actually driving for an ambulance company, taking people to and from St. John Lynn Nursing Home. Um, that, this was this was in Arizona. Uh, well, this is before I went to Arizona. So, like, I already had like a year of driving, um, you know, the elderly population to and from this daycare, and uh, I loved it back then. I, I mean, I love their stories. I mean, it's like give me the craziest ambulance story that you, if you could. I know I'm putting you on the <laughs> well, spot. Well, this is ambulette, not ambulette. Yeah. What's the difference uh, between an ambulette and a, oh, is that like the not the ambulance? It's yeah. a car kind of thing. Yep. Right? Non emergency handicap transportation. I was doing that in my early 20s, and um, yeah, there's been some, you know some funny uh, stories with that. Uh, one of my favorites was um, you know this one uh, person. Every time you go there when it was snowing, they never, like the family would never call to cancel. And like, you know, there was only a hill up to get up into the neighborhood and a hill going down. And it was like snowing pretty significant. And, uh, you know, I was trying to call and, you know, the daughter wasn't answering. To make sure that, that he it's was for there. real. So I get there and uh, now I already have like 10 people in the, you know, or maybe eight people in the, in the back. And... Um, you know, so I get to the door. She's like, oh, he's not going today. I'm like, oh. you know, so I was like, all right. Um, so now here I am. I'm, I'm in this big bus, and I'm trying to slowly go down this hill. And then and the people in the back, they're, it's funny because, like, it's loud in the bus, and they're old, and a lot of them are deaf. They can't really hear very well. So they're all having their own conversations, right? So now I'm coming down this hill, and then I started going into a slide. And now I'm like, oh my god, oh my god! And then like the bus is like slowly turning. No good. Yeah, no good. And I'm coming now. The, the, it's a busy road. It's 25A, uh, whatever that is over there, 25A by the McDonald's, and uh, I think that's Northport. I don't know. It's been so many years. But uh, I'm sitting there slowly coming down, and literally now I'm going backwards onto what I know is going to be a busy road. And I'm like, oh my god, please don't nobody, nobody hit me, nobody, God, please help me, help me. And the whole time. Everybody like was oblivious. Like they were in their own world, having their own conversations, and I could hear the conversation. Thank God! <laughs> Thank God! Right? Yeah. So yeah, I finally came to a stop uh, on the road, and then I, you know I started going, and nobody had any clue that that even happened. And that, so you didn't get into an accident, no, nothing like that. Yeah. Oh, it's great! Thank yeah. God! It's yeah. one of those moments that you sit there and say, "What." A difference, yeah. my life, my day, whatever it could have been. It would have been, and, and thank God. So tell me, so okay, so you were doing that, the ambulet, mm -hmm. you know, sounds very prestige. Yep. So, I, but I, then you went into nurse, got into nursing. How did you do it? So, um, by uh, taking people to the um, elderly daycare at St. John the Nursing Home, um, I got to speak to the nurses there. And, you know, they're like, you know, you're really great with them. Like, you know, you should get into this, you know, blah, blah, blah. So my original intent was to go to school, um, you know, to take care of the elderly population. But, uh, you know, like I said, I wanted to move out of state. So I went to Arizona and I was trying to get into school. But then, you know, there was issues, um, you know, going on with my ex at the time. Um, Those exes could always, there's always. There's always the exes. Uh, there's always this, there's always yeah. a story behind the story. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was one of those things where it just, it wasn't materializing out there. And when it came to the point where it was just like clear as day that I had to divorce uh, this person, I, I just want to say, just in case she's listening, she's a good person. She's not, you know, evil. She How? just was not good for I, me. I, I, got, I got a question. I, I want to, I, I want to ask you something about that. Because mm -hmm. I have a tough time breaking up with people. Mm -hmm. I've done that my whole life. Always overstayed. The welcoming that I, you know, me too. I read a book actually. It, it was called. It's called. Um, 
I think it's it's too good to stay and too bad no too bad to stay too good to leave mm -hmm. that's the title of the book and it teaches you about what I'm about to ask you here mm -hmm. about not being able to do it like you know because you, you always there's the pros and the cons and then at the end of the day you have to actually have that tough conversation and say sit down I need to talk to you about something yep how long did it take you to do that to have that conversation and say, or was it, did she have the conversation with you? Uh, I had the conversation with her and it was, uh, it, it took seven years. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said. Seven years, yeah. right? I mean, you gotta, and how many well, times I would you say had... the first two years were good, um, but then it was just, you know, like it, things were good, but we weren't always together. Like she always made me laugh. We had a good time, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't until we moved to Arizona and it was just me and her that like, you know, the, the real came out. And I first I took it as like, oh, you know, maybe she just, you know, like, you know, the next thing is to get married. Everybody's pressuring me to get married. So we went ahead, got married. And, uh, you know, like, I think it was like three weeks after we were married. I remember coming home one day and she just like blasting me. And I'm like, oh my God, Satan, can I have my wife back? <laughs> I was yeah. like, well, who is this person? And I'm I in it. Just like, and now I'm in it. Yep. And now I was in it. And then it was just uh, from there, it took like, a, it was like, I'd say the last two years. So it wasn't seven years. We were together seven years, but the last two years was like unbelievable, you know? So, but, uh, you know. Tell me though, when you had to say it, mm -hmm. where where was it? Like, we, did you have to come home from work? Was it on the weekend? Do you remember it? Oh, yeah. I remember it. I remember uh, we were actually going to go ahead and. Um, <laughs> get together uh, uh, for a weekend vacation in California. We, we were living in Arizona at the time uh, to try to work on our marriage. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, the day before we were supposed to go, she's just like, oh, my friend Kara, she's, you know, she's, uh, um, you know, the whole bunch of the girls from work are going. I wanted to go with them. And, like, in the back of my head, all I heard was she does not want to fix this. And it was just, like, clear as day. And so I was like, you know what? No, go. It's okay. Go. And, uh, so went ahead, um, you know, she, the day she left, I remember just looking at the clock and making a mental note of the time. And uh, What time was it? Uh, oh, now I don't remember the exact ah, time. But it's I, a I, mental like, note. Yeah, it was, well, it was a mental note back then. This is, yeah. this is uh, 2000. Okay. You know, this yeah. is right before 9-11. Uh, so went ahead, uh, she went ahead and, and left at the time. And at the time, like, you know, the way I was working, I, I didn't even realize. I was never seeing the, the, the mailbox. I just remember I was like, oh, you know, let me go to the mailbox. Took the dog, you know, went to go to get the mail. And all of a sudden I seen back then they used to itemize your cell phone. Like every single every phone call. call. Oh, yeah, I remember that. So right away I was like, this one number just kept on popping up. And I actually added it all up. It was like over four hours because the, the bill was astronomical. I'm like, oh, my, oh my God. I'm like, who's she calling? So, call the number. From Did you have any idea that something was... Oh, yeah. Uh, there was, like, you know, leading up to that. I mean, there was a lot of stuff. But, like, leading up to it, I was, like, sensing Because this that, is gold right here. Yeah. This phone bill. Yeah. You know, when you start and you start putting those pieces together, it's... You look back at it now, but then it's like, mm -hmm. you know, you start thinking, what the hell? What's going on? And you start getting nervous. What's happening? Yep. So what did you do with that number? Uh, I, you know, I called it from a separate number. Um, this way, it was, my number wouldn't pop up. And Yeah, uh, I know. This is Charlie. <laughs> no, I didn't even, you know, I just listened to the answer machine. Oh, really? And it was uh, it was this guy, Brian. And I was just like, hmm. So when she came home, you know, I uh, she was home. And by the time I got home, she was already sleeping. So I took her cell phone out and I looked at the recents, and there it was. You know, uh, you know, at the time I looked on that clock, she called him like two minutes after that. So she was in her car and called him, 
and then no more calls the rest of the weekend up until she got home. Interesting. So the next morning, um, you know, she was all happy and this and that, and I just looked her right in her eyes, and I'm like, who's Brian? No. And she's <laughs> just best. like, yeah, she's the like, best. Yeah. she's like, uh, uh, and I'm like, listen, and then I showed her my proof, and then she's just like, she's, you know, she was like dumbfounded. I'm like, listen, I, I don't know where you've been sleeping, but that's where you're sleeping tonight. Yeah. Get that out. Oh, yeah, that it. was it. <laughs> it was oh, like, I, I was like very vindicated. All right, all right. Uh, that's a good yeah, one. I yeah. like that. So, that, yeah. yeah. That was, that was uh, one of my hellish uh, times in life, you know. So, 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 so then, so you guys get a divorce, right? Mm-hmm. You leave her. And then and that then, leads into. Then I, then I came back to New York because I, I was trying to do school out there for nursing and, uh, at this point, now that we're going through a divorce, you know the you know paying for that, this and that. I called my parents. I was like, "Hey, is uh, is my bed still there?" You know, and they're like, "Yeah." So I was like, "Cool." So I, I came back home, uh, crashed there for four years, which was like a trip. You know? Yeah, no, four months <laughs> turns into four years. Yeah, yeah I know all about so, that. Yeah, but it was like you know it was good. I was able to get through school. Um, I really like came into my manhood at that point. I feel like you know in my life. Uh, you know, was, uh, at that time I was bouncing at um, Irish Times in Holbrook, you know, for, yep. you know, just get me through, you know, so here I am, everybody's like laughing, they're like, you know, one moment you're like, you know, you're like this nice guy, you know, you're trying to, you know, learn nursing, next thing you know, you're like taking somebody out by the throat and you're <laughs> dragging them outside the thing. You yeah, know? I know, right? So I was just like, I'm like ah, you know, gotta do what you gotta do. But um, the question I want to ask you about nursing, though, is mm-hmm. as a guy, right, you think you know, me growing up, I always always thought of a, of girls being a nurse, mm-hmm. right? And not until you get older, then you start seeing that there's more guys nurses than you than you actually expect. But did that ever come to your mind? Like, hey, I'm a guy, I'm going to be a nurse, or nope. if I'm going to be a nurse, why not go even further and be a doctor? Did you ever think of that? No. Uh, for me, it's just, um, you know, again, when I got into nursing, like it, it was from stemming from working at the um, nursing home. So my plan was I was going to become a nurse to work in the nursing home with all the elderly population. Like I said, I love their stories. Like some of these stories, like this one guy, Anthony, he was um, like, he was amazing. He commanded that front seat. And I, I, anybody else that tried getting that seat, I'm like, ah, 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 Anthony's sitting there, you know, because like this guy, he was a strong Italian he was on uh, one of those B-52 bombers. His arm was all uh, mangled because he was a side gunner and uh, caught flack, you know, and that, that got him out of the war. And uh, and he, to this, you know, to the day he died, he's just like, listen, it's just like, I, I wish I, I went back. And even though he he says he wish he went back with his crew members, his crew members with the new added guy that they added all died, got shot down and all died on their next mission. He would have been dead. You know, so like, that's that's the level of like that's what we come from and what America has become is scary. Like, you know, I'm like, I mean, you got you know my grandfather's generation and that that guy's generation. I mean, they fought the beaches of Normandy. I mean, they're seeing their people blowing up like crazy. And then here, it's like all I'm asking people to is not comply to one shot. Avoid it. Yeah, it's it's not hard. It's just well. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, I understand like, what you're saying. Really, you don't like, realize this is the battle we're fighting, and you can't even. Everybody's just so easy to just comply. Think about, you know? think about what you said there, though, too, in regards to what they went through in the beaches of Normandy, yeah. right? And how you're, you know, I, I could just imagine sitting on that boat as we're getting, and you're hearing the gunfire. Oh, you're yeah. seeing as you're approaching the beach explosions, everything. explosions. Yeah. Your fellow 
you know, soldiers, you fellow, you know, um, platoon people, they're dying right in front of you, getting shot. I, I mean, think about that. And then nope. to compare it to the kids that are growing up today and how mm -hmm. pampered they are. <laughs> they can't go down the block without a helmet. Yep. Don't do this. You're too far. You can't do that. It, yep. It's really something else. In my opinion, I think it's all about social media and because of what it's done to our society. Yep. And of course, the internet too, as well. But yeah, it, it, it's something else. It, it really is. So here you are. So you, you're at the nursing home. You wanted. You're thinking about doing that. Mm -hmm. You become a nurse though here in New York. You take the test. Yeah. So uh, when I was going through, uh, I went to Suffolk, and uh, when I was going, once I got my first year of nursing under my belt, uh, you were able to work as a nurse's aide. And um, I had an aunt that uh, worked at um, Mather Hospital back when it was like it was so different before Northwell took over. It was uh, there was a woman named Barbara Ferruja. She was amazing. Um, you know, she got me the job in there. Um, it, it was just like, it, you know. Northwell's it, a big conglomerate. It is. But why do you say it was, it, it sounded like you were about to say that it was better before Northwell was, took over. Why? So it was like, it was more family oriented. Like everybody, like just everybody knew each other. It was, it was like, we all had each other's backs. Nurses had each other's back. Like, you know, if, you know, I remember when they were trying to force uh, the flu shot, I, what was it, 2008? Eight maybe it was um, that was like hilarious I remember I was a nurse at that point for two years and everybody was like uh -uh, no this you can't force me you can't force me that's it and we all stuck together all across New York State everybody stood shoulder to shoulder did not take it and they had to back down so so my question for you is so you're in the professional field medical field there mm -hmm. right and people are pushing the flu shot but yet the professionals that are in the hospital Working with doctors, mm -hmm. nurses like yourself, are refusing to take the flu shot. So why? Why would you know, like, you know, why would the public being almost propagandized to get the flu shot? But mm -hmm. here you are in that profession and you're not. Why? So for me, um, it doesn't, I don't see it working. You know, every year you have 25 million to 45 million cases of flu every year in the United States alone, right? Um, and there's a certain percentage that die from that. And then every year, like, you know, especially recently, you'd see like the numbers like, oh, it's 20% effective. Why are you putting that stuff in you? And then like, you know, like me, I never thought about it. Like, you know, for years, I never thought about it until that ruling came up in 2008. Um, the first two years I was a nurse, I actually got the, um, the flu vaccine. And those are the only two years of my life I got the flu. <laughs> you know? Isn't that so, crazy that you yeah. say that? And that's the thing too that you know that really was peculiar to me is, and I don't know if if it changed the shot as it was going because somebody I had this conversation with they said no that that changed how you know what they were administering because in the beginning, and correct me if I'm wrong here you you would know more than I do, mm. is that they were actually giving you the flu like a little dose of the flu so your body would be immune to it. Is that true? Pretty much. That's uh, you know, it's kind of like they're using like a, a like a dead cell, so your body would recognize it and create you know. But uh, people would get flu symptoms after they got the flu shot. Yep. Why would I want to do that? Like I don't understand. <laughs> so, I don't have. I'm good right now, mm -hmm. but now I'm going to go to CVS. I'm going to get the flu shot. And I'm going to come out, and I'm not going to feel well. Yep. Just so in case I don't feel well. 
Yeah, and on top of it, once you like, I never again looked into it before. But then when you start looking at what they, how they get those uh, cells, so they, uh, like they're using um, a, a fetal uh, aborted line from like I think it was the seventies. You know where, how they produce this stuff. You know, like I don't want that in my body. That goes completely against what I believe in. You know, so. Um, and that's morally and religiously, morally and religiously. And then you got this new vaccine, you know, the Johnson Johnson still works on that old technology, which still has all that. But then this new vaccine is an mRNA vaccine that again, I don't know enough about it to, to say if it will, or if it won't change my genetic code, make me a GMO. Right. Yes, I understand. You know, what you're I'm, I'm against GMOs. You know, uh, and not only that. Like I said, like to me, like you know, more importantly than like religion, as far as like you know, churches and stuff. Like me, my body's my temple. I have a direct connection to God. I don't need anybody to tell me what God wants me to do. I talk to God daily. I pray daily, all the time. And but you know when what? this first came out, like for me, it was all about like all I kept on seeing was this is the mark of the beast. This is it. And then like I started telling people, I'm like, listen, I'm like, you, you know, you don't understand, you know, and like when you know, and I try to explain to people what the mark of the beast means. Like at some point, you're going to need this to buy any goods. You know, the first mark of the beast is is the um, uh, you know those little codes, you know, the barcodes on everything you buy. Yeah. No, I understand. So you know now it, this is in in you. I, you know, I know what you're saying. You're, you're you're using more of a religious take on it, mm -hmm. but I think it's more simplistic than that. I just think it's my body, my choice kind of thing. I, 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 you know, I I'm a libertarian at heart. I so. <laughs> I don't want to eat processed foods because mm -hmm. I don't want processed foods in my body. But I can go down to the grocery store and every single aisle is available of processed foods. Yep. You know what I mean? It's just my choice on what I want to do. But before we get into the whole thing about the vaccines and, and everything, because I, I know that's what you're here for. Mm -hmm. Tell me though, you're now you're a nurse in mm -hmm. New York, and then you get the job over in Stony Brook. What year did you get the job at Stony Brook? Uh, it was December of uh, 2010. So December of 2010, you're a nurse, right? Mm -hmm. And everything, you, I would assume your life is great because the hours of being a nurse are I, you know, I, I guess that you I know, worked in the ER. <laughs> you did. Any Stony Brook ER nurse will tell you your life is not great as hell. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so explain that to us. Um, just imagine, you know, you're you're in quicksand, and you're drowning. You're, you're just about, you know, you're up to here, right? And at any given moment, you think you're almost like, oh, I finally got a line. I'm almost about to come out. Somebody comes down and steps on you. <laughs> It pushes you under. That's what it's for. That's a new. Like. It's, it's almost like a new patient just came in. Yeah, that, and it's just once it, you think you got one, it's relentless. It's relentless. Like back when I did. Like now, I. I mean, with the staffing shortage, I don't know what it is. But when I started, you know, they have different sections of the ER. You have your critical care ER. You have your pediatric ER. You have your acute care ER. And the acute care ER, uh, you got up to ten patients. And there's so many times where like it just starts like there's so much going on and there was never any aids around. Like, you know, you'd be like, Oh, this is your aid for tonight and some people you're like, All right, finally I got some help and most of them you're like, <laughs> Okay, so I'm by myself again, you know, and uh 
you know, you literally are juggling 10 piece peoples in your head. And it's like you constantly got to think what is the top priority at that point? You know, who is the sickest? You know, you got this one begging for his uh, drugs. Why this one's having, you know, an active STEMI. You got to, you know, because uh, you got misdiagnosed and you got to pack them up and send them over to critical or send them off to the cath lab. You know, and then you get the psych, you know, patient that comes in that's, you know, having a, a code M. Um and then a lot of times, like, you know, I would get times where all of a sudden they're like, oh, you know, uh, you know, the transporter come by. They're like, yeah, we're going to take this patient over to radiology. So I'd close the curtains just so nobody tries to take the room. And I'll be doing whatever, going in other rooms. And I come back, and uh, time's coming, time's going. I'm like, you know, my patient still hasn't come back yet. And then I'll go around the corner. I'll see the patient in the hallway. And I'm like, oh, geez. So now I have to run back to that room to see, like, did they put somebody out? And they did, you know, and then, like, you know. It's I'm, just nonstop. It's nonstop. And, but nobody even told me. Like, you know, it's like, you know, they will level people. Like, if they're level two, you have to see them. You have to have eyes on them and a set of vitals within 15 minutes. And I'm walking in this room having no clue when this guy even got there. You know? what, what would be, in your opinion, so what is the best part of being a nurse and what's the worst part of being a nurse? The moments that you actually could help people. That's that's like when you really like you'll know it. You know, like every nurse knows it. You know when you, you just changed somebody's life and you, you brought Is it almost it. like a connection you have with the patient? Yeah. Eye yeah. contact or mm -hmm. something of a thank you mm -hmm. in that kind of respect and that really that's what that that, that says it all for you? Yep. Uh, there's times like um, like even in that that chaos of the ER, like I did my best, you know, to always be um, I looked at everybody as if they're my dad, they're my mom, they're my brother, they're you know like they're, I try to look at everybody they're, they're my family, and um, it's, see that's that's it right there. That's that's what it takes to be the nurse, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of people don't have that. No, and in them, and that's yeah. right there what you said, and you know to look at every single person like that, and that's why you are so valuable, mm -hmm. and people like yourself are so valuable, and but also taken for granted, mm -hmm. in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would say definitely so. Um, so uh, for me, uh, when it came through like the nursing aspect in the ER, there was a point where I finally, I, I broke, I literally broke my back, not, not figuratively, I literally broke my back in the ER, uh, taking care of a patient, um, but what was the worst? What's the worst part about being a nurse? Oh, the worst part? Yeah, <laughs> the paperwork. <laughs> like it's just like the uh, joint commission. There's a there's a long list of worsts. You know, like uh, you know, dealing with um, higher ups that are so disconnected. You know, they'll come up to you like, oh yeah, great job, great job. They don't freaking care. You know, like they they just don't care. Like it's all it's uh, a. Business. Are you saying that when it gets okay? That's what I wanted to. It's ask a business. You. It's money. You know? So it's bottom line. Mm -hmm. What's the bottom line here? Are we making a profit? Yeah, like you know, you're getting um, in the ER, like I mean, this is back in 2010 to 2012. I mean, the wait times were just insane. Just just to get in the door, you know. So you get people. They go through triage. Triage will dictate where they're going, and you know, in uh, the ER uh, aspect. And then, um, you know, you get, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, from there, I totally lost my train of thought, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, you know, once they got triaged, wherever they're going, um, we basically would take over their care from there, and, you know, there would be literally sometimes three hours just to get to me, you know, like, now I have 10 patients. Now, if it takes three hours from the time they walked into the door, if it's not you know, like a crazy emergency, to get to me, 
I could tell you it's probably going to want, I would go in there, start an IV, do, do all the basic stuff that I knew that the doctor was going to order anyway. And, uh, you know, the doctors would always write the orders afterwards, which, you know, whether that's right or wrong, that's, that's, that's a, uh, a fine line that I always had a problem with. But, um, you know, from there, it could take another hour before the doctor even saw them, you know. So you're talking about four hours, you know, and then the tests and stuff like that. These people would be there for eight, ten hours of their day, and most of them got sent home, you know. Yeah, but, so. but it sounds like to me, though, you know, I, I understand, you know, that it's, it takes a certain type of person to do what you're doing. Let's just mm-hmm. face it. But it sounds like to me that this is gratifying to you, that you found something. You know, found, First of all, it sounds like you found your gift because you are a person who wants to help people and being a nurse, there's nothing more gratifying than I that. Like, I like educating people. What know. about though when you, did you ever get attached to someone? Eric, is my microphone a little bit better there? Yeah, you're good. Okay, so talk to me about being attached to maybe someone and then they die. How does that? How do you deal with that? <laughs> yeah. As as a human being. So I'll I'll you know like most nurses, um, I've probably seen way more death than I've ever seen births. I've seen besides my children, I've seen uh, two live births. You know when I was in school, um, I don't even know how many people I saw die by this point. You know it just uh, or on their way out dying and stuff like that. Um, I remember when I was a nurse's aide before I became a nurse. Uh, I'll I'll never forget it. There was this woman. And she just, she reminded me of my mom. My mom is like, you know, very, un, was you know, when she was still alive, she was like, she was my worst patient. She, uh, she was diabetes, you know, she'd never check her sugar. She always had her candy and her cookies and stuff, you know. She'd be sitting there smoking like a chimney, you know. And I'm like, ma, you're killing me. Um, but this woman was like my mom. And I saw her, it was probably, let's see, I'd say about six years before my mom finally died. I saw this woman, and I, I literally saw my mom's death. You know, like it was just like. What, what, what did she die of? Uh, just she was just unhealthy. She had so many comorbidities. She was overweight, um, heavy smoker. She was had lung cancer, um, just just a slew of things. And I just remember her just like having trouble breathing and stuff. Um, Is this but, the type of person that when okay when when you're treating her and now your shift is off, mm-hmm. do you go home and you're thinking about her? Um, this is, you're talking about 2005, so I'm still thinking about her. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like for me, the hardest part was, um, like, I, I just remember like taking care of her, but like what, what bothered me is like in the nursing field, not everybody's like me. Like I, I look at it like from a spiritual aspect, like I'm like, we're all going to die. You know, there's no, there's no doubt, you know, we're none of us getting out of this one alive. So how we treat others is the most important thing. And doing what you feel like God wants you to do is the most important thing. Um, Like for her, like I went out of my way, like, you know, she had a hard time eating. So like I would go out of my way and, um, you know, at least give her the insurers. And I kept on going in for sips and she would always like, thank you, thank you, you know, because everybody else was ignoring her. You know, like uh, there's nurses out there that are just, they just, they be, and it, it's hard because, and I get it, you know, because when I was in the ER, I got jaded too. Um, you get numb to it. Like when you see that, when you see life on that level, you literally, it just, it, it becomes very difficult. Like we see people in their worst and like, you know, when I mean their worst, like the, the highest po- uh, price of our healthcare system goes to the last two weeks of life. So we're seeing people in their last weeks of life, right? So you're seeing accidents come in. You're seeing them mutilated. There's you're seeing them maybe gunshot wounds. Those or ones are easy. 
the ones that die slowly and just get cancer and it's a revolving door and you know like the I'm sure the, the higher ups are like ching 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 you know but like for me it's like um you know these people come with stories you know some of them I used to love when the families would bring pictures in there and I'd see like you know this one guy I'll never forget you know his wife was there now here's this little old lady she was like so like you know hunched over and stuff the husband was out of his mind crazy um and just like you know like soiling himself and stuff but uh you know there's pictures of them and the, of them when they were on the beach and there's this guy he's all boom like i mean he was like an arnold schwarzenegger muscles upon muscles she was a knockout right and I'm looking at the end. I love knockouts. Yeah, so, <laughs> so <laughs> I now, love them. Now I'm looking at the end of their life cycle, right? So one thing I learned as a nurse is, like, again, we're all going to die. We're all going to be at that moment. We're on our deathbed. Are you going to go? You know, the question is, are you going to go out kicking and screaming? Or are you going to sit there and be like, "Yeah, I'm ready. I had a good life." That's how you have to live your day every single day, and that's why. Like when I believe something and I feel like I'm being guided by God to go in one direction, there is no doubt in my mind that like I will not do it. You know, I have a wife, three kids. We just bought a house, a lot of, lot of bills, right? Yeah, of course. And at the same time, I sacrifice the house. It's just paint and metal. I don't even care. You know, it's just, um, you know, I, I feel God will provide for us food wise. I don't give a crap if I live in a shack at this point. I am not taking that shot. Okay, right. so you know, so let's get so let's get into that then. Okay, so, so that's that's so I would assume that so you're unvaccinated. I am. Uh, I cannot um, uh, confirm can, nor deny at this point because I'm in the middle of arbitration. So you plead the and fifth. I never signed uh, a piece of paper saying because it went against my HIPAA, uh, vi- uh, you know, um, violation violations um, to say whether I did or did not. Okay, so mm-hmm. so let's let's back up then. Okay, you're. Everything that you've said so far, nurse, in the ER, right? So I want to now jump to 2020 January. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know how much you follow the news. I don't know how much it was in the hospital. That's why you're here to explain. So that this is, you know, something that I wouldn't be privy to unless I had somebody like you to explain it to us. Mm-hmm. Was there some rumblings going around when you heard that? COVID was going in China and they were locking down and, you know, we have to be careful because it could be coming here. What was just tell now I'm just talking January here, right? You know, maybe not even the first confirmed case. Mm -hmm. What was the vibe in the hospital at that point? So, you know, at this point, um, the last nine years, I was on the endoscopy unit at Stony Brook, just to let you know. What um, does that mean? Um, you know, colonoscopies, upper oh, endoscopies, okay, yeah, we did okay. bronchoscopies, um, I didn't hear what you said. I didn't get what you said there. Uh, um, yeah, it's uh, an endoscopy unit. So it's just basically we stick cameras in, you know, only two ways down your GI tract, you know, so, and uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Um, and also- How is that though? How is it if you got a guy, right? Mm-hmm. And you're a guy, and mm-hmm. then you got to do that, you got to assist that. Is that- I it's, mean, is it t- it's got to take something f- in you to be able to be like, right, I'm just doing it. I, well, by the time I became an uh, endoscopy nurse, one thing I'll definitely say is I've just been a nurse, and every nurse could tell you this. We've seen so many naked bodies. We've seen people at their worst. Like, I don't care. This is this is a procedure to for screening, you know, to make You're sure. You're numb they don't to have, it. I, yeah. Like, people are like, oh, my God, my butt's going to be showing. I'm like, 
I've seen so many asses right at this point. I don't care about yours. Yes. You know, it's like, don't worry about me. I'm not looking at your butt. I'm looking at the screen, helping the doctor look for polyps. Yeah, you know, you like about I, that. Yeah, yeah, I got you. That's that's the least thing. Like, I don't. I just again, like you become numb to things. That's just something you just become numb to. You just, you know, it is what it is. Okay, so so, so. yeah. So now we're in January. Explain to us, you know, what you know is it chitter chatter? You know, yeah, in the hallways. There, there, there was rumblings. You know, um, you know, people are talking about. It, but it was like you know, it was in China. You know, it was just like, but everybody knew. Like, all right, you know, we've been through the swine flu, we've been through this, and you know, then there was also the aspect of, well, we're coming up to another election year, and it just so happened every election year. Wait, that's really, that's really the talk at the hospital. Uh, well, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so you were saying that. Yeah. Okay, because I'm asking if that was really what hospital people are talking about. Listen, there's an election coming up, so they're going to have to have something. To yeah. talk about, and we want to get this man that's out of in the office right now out, out of there. Of yep. So you're already thinking to yourself, maybe there's some type of angle to it. But again, yep. it's in its infancy stage. Yeah, it's in its infancy. Most people were, you know, there was talks about it and what will happen if it comes here and stuff like that. And uh, but nobody really knew. You know, there was like it was kind of like you know there wasn't really any good information. You know, when did it all of a sudden? At what point at the hospital there? At what point did it say, holy shit? We got something, you know, something's cooking. We were talking about, you know, not being prepared or mm -hmm. not knowing or going from January to the, 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 the moment that you realized, wait a second here, we're, we're in for it. Yeah, so I, I don't remember exact month. Um, I believe it was around March. I remember, like, because the cases- March of 2020. Yeah, the, the cases on the endoscopy unit were, like, kind of, like, going away. And, um, you know- People were scared because nobody knew what the hell was going on with this thing. You know, it was just, um, you know, at that point, um, because our numbers were already going down, uh, we just had like a new nurse that was from the ER. What do you mean numbers are going down? Numbers like, of what? Uh, the numbers of our cases in endoscopy. Like, okay. uh, they were kind of getting rid of elective cases at that point. So we were only doing emergent cases. So now there's a whole bunch of nurses sitting there like, <laughs> you know, nothing to do. So uh, some of the nurses started getting pulled. You know, and started getting sent to like when the the first cases started coming. That's when you started. That's when it was starting to get a little like, oh crap, because they were now they were working on COVID floors, and then they would come back to our floor and tell us about what's going on after they were working on a COVID floor. You know, so yeah. it's like so you're like this is a virus. <laughs> you know? So 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 let's talk about that as a nurse, as mm. someone that's working in the profession. There, that's got to be scary because mm -hmm. nobody knows anything about COVID. Never heard of it. Never yep. COVID nineteen. It's a novel virus. You're seeing all these things on TV, everything that's going on. You, I mean, forget about the propaganda that the the media was displaying. They had the COVID cases on the screen all the time. Yep. And then here you are. Mm -hmm. So so for someone that actually lived through it, was it scary? Were you nervous? Oh, what, yeah. What was, what was going 100%, on? 100%. Like, I was so, I, I was definitely scared. Like, you know, because I, you know, again, I have three, three young children. Uh, my wife is also a nurse at Stony Brook. Uh, my sister-in-law is a nurse at Stony Brook. So it's just like, you know, um, you know, it's, this could affect now not only my personal family, but my brother and sister-in-law's family and my uh, niece and nephews, you know. So it's just like, it, it was it was a little crazy. Like, you know, for me, uh, I just remember, you know. The, How crazy? Like, very crazy. I, I, it was, um, it, the more and more stuff was, like, coming up, like, you know, uh, like, I was hearing stuff. Like, the one guy that wound up going to the ER, um, one day, I was just walking around, like, well, let's poke our head in there. And the ER was eerie. 
Like you used to be like people were everywhere, filled in the hallways, families all around, people yelling, screaming. And then you walk down there, all the doors were closed. Nobody was in the hallway. It was just it was just silent. And then, you know, talking to, you know, uh this gentleman, uh, he was, you know, basically telling me, you know, how it is. And he just like he's like, None of this is making sense, you know, nobody's you know, like in the beginning, there was no PCR test. Like the original PCR test. Like people like, oh, I'm going to go to the hospital, get a PCR test. That's great. And they didn't have them. You know, it was just like, so when they were saying that people were COVID positive, there was no test to prove that they were COVID positive. They were going off of the x-rays and blood work. They're looking at the D-dimer and stuff like that. Um, X-rays, you'd see, uh, they call it like a COVID pneumonia. It had a very distinctive look to it. But they never got tested. Uh, not, 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 Not in that like first month, no. So they're so, but they're just going on. So eyes, like you know, the mm-hmm. eye test. Yep. Your chest looks like it has this mm-hmm. COVID yep. symptoms and, to it. So you're going to be labeled as COVID. Yep. And uh, so, but what they were doing though, and this is where it got dangerous. They again, they didn't know what they were doing. So they were just immediately when people were dropping their sats and they got down to like 88. Yeah, you know. What does that mean? You just explain uh, to people that don't so know. I, I don't know what your, you meant by that. Your oxygen uh, rate, like you want to be you know, 90, uh, at least over 92, ideally. Okay. You know, but. Uh, 88 if you have COPD is fine, you know, but, um, you know, you don't want to really go below that. So um, they were literally pushing for intubations right off the bat. There's a reason why, like, we almost ran out of uh, ventilators because they were just throwing everybody on a ventilator, you know? Like, if they just looked like they were struggling, they didn't wait any time. They just said, all right, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to treat you. And these people were just, you know, they're giving the propofol and some of them woke up, some of them didn't. So there was rumors going around when you know this whole thing's happening that once you get put on a ventilator, it's over. Not over. I've had patients that made it. So you did. Yeah. Okay. So then that 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 settles that. But most, the other th- most most yeah. But do you think that sometimes the ventilator wasn't necessary and it actually hurt them? I, I don't know enough about it because I was never on the ICU unit. So um, that's I, fair enough. I do have a nurse that um, she said she would definitely interview you, and I would highly recommend you interview her because the stuff that was happening, you know, her stories are amazing. Like, they definitely will give you a, a, her insight. You know, I could give you from my vantage point, she'll give you from her vantage point, and it's a damn good one. What about this? The next thing that I want to ask you about the ventilator is every time somebody gets put on a ventilator, mm-hmm. the hospital gets, say, $30,000. Oh yeah, it's it's everything's you know money, money, money. You know, however you. So in, in your in your professional opinion, that you were there, did you think that a lot of times decisions are made monetarily instead of for health reasons so or for both? Those decisions were done in the ER, and talking to that one nurse in the ER, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't be there for every situation, so. Uh, what I do know is, you know, they were doing it without any evidence that it was working. If anything, it was, you know, so it's all trial and error at that yeah, point, anyway. Exactly. Okay, you and know. you can't. And to be honest, to be fair, you can't really sit there and, and knock people because everything is just being experimental at that point. Yep. So when it was at its height, though, mm-hmm. COVID, and I mean when you saw the numbers oh, and, yeah. and and they were ran- right after uh, Como put them all back in the nursing home, it yeah. was like within a week. Boom! It was just... what. Tell me now about the hospital. What's going on every day? You get up, you know, and first of all, there's no vaccine. There's no treatments, mm-hmm. really. They're not treating anyone, so nobody yep. knows anything. Yep. You're seeing the numbers, people, the, the casualty numbers, they're dropping like flies. Mm-hmm. T- 
tell me going to work every day. What was that like? So um, before I got uh, redeployed, I was still on endoscopy. Like I said, it was quiet. You know, there was nothing going on. We had no patients, so we were just like, you know, you know, there was there was talks about us getting redeployed, and people were like, nah, it's not going to happen. And then you know, we'd have these seasoned nurses that were coming down from the ICU unit that were on our unit that got redeployed. They would come down and they're like, you have no idea what's coming to you. It's like, you guys will be deployed. Make no mistake. So then it's like, oh, crap. You know, um, you know, and then like, you know, now, mind you, I'm still like everybody else. I'm going to Sam's Club. The freaking shelves are empty. Empty, right? You can't get anything. People walking around in freaking hazmat suits. It was like a Walking Dead episode. And it, it, I'm it, like, it, it's funny you say. It's funny you say that. So, and I just had this conversation with my girlfriend. I was at Whole Foods, and I'm a, I'm a big Whole Foods guy. Mm-hmm. And right when this is right when it started, so this might have been February or maybe late January, whatever it was. And one guy mm-hmm. came in with a hazmat like mask, and the whole store, and everybody looked at him. We're all looking at each other, and you know I know the workers there because I go there all the time. So you know you're friendly with them. Mm-hmm. So it's the only place I shop. So for food, so. We would make fun of it. We're like, what is this guy? This guy's a banana. What are you talking about? You go in there now, every single person is masked or maybe double masked. Yep. And and that is me. it. Yeah. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? Like yep. that's that that that's how it progressed. Mm-hmm. So here you are. So they said to you, you can definitely get deployed. You're in Sam's Club. You're seeing everything's all these shelves. Yep. Now you get you finally obviously so, you get deployed. Yeah. Well, um, the day came down where like all right, you're getting deployed. Um, uh, but we were getting deployed. Most of us were going. I was staying on my unit. They were converting it into a COVID unit. Now I'm in a procedural area. It was not meant for rooms. All right. It wasn't. It was substandard, you know, uh, conditions to say the least. Um, you know, went ahead. Uh, I'll never forget at that time. Uh, my nurse uh, manager, her name was Karen at the time. She's already retired now. <laughs> Lucky her. But uh, she was, um, you know, having the meeting with us, uh, teaching us how to don and doff our uh, PPE, uh, which just basically means putting it on, putting it off properly. Uh, they were. Uh, building uh, the doffing room, you know, where you take off all your stuff. Um, and the pre area and the recovery area became the area for uh, the patients, right? Um, and it's not, uh, there was no negative pressure. The only negative pressure rooms we had were in the actual procedure rooms. And they tried to stay out of that as much as possible because. When you close those doors, there's no windows, you know, and they just, you know, it just, it wouldn't be right. You'd have to literally be sitting in that room. Um, so they kind of, they, they wound up not doing that. So, but for us, here we are um, every morning, like, you know, uh, after we got this whole meeting and, you know, they, they go into nights, we had a, we ripped the whole place apart, got all the equipment out of there. Uh, locked up what we could lock up. Uh, a lot of stuff we put into, um, you know, the uh, waiting room, and it was just like, you know, I got pictures there too, like where, where you know, just everybody getting ready and watching them put up, like, you know, the plexiglass everywhere, which was like, <laughs> like the virus can't go over a plexiglass. Like, yes, this is the brightest minds of medicine. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know. Uh, so when you're watching it happen and like shit, this is happening, you know. So I just remembered like talking to my wife. I had to, you know, sit down. Like, listen, you need to get the hell out of this house. You need to go with your mom. You need to take the kids. Stop working. 
on end of subject. This is not even not. This is a non-issue. Is it because you don't want there's one there's two of you that could be at risk? So not make you two of them because then yep. what happens if you both die and now your kids exactly. have no parents? Exactly. So you you're out. Mm -hmm. I will go in and and, yep. and take it. Yep, I'll take the hit. Um, because if I die. I have, you know, at that time when you work for Stony Brook, you automatically have an insurance policy, which you would have got three years of my salary. So I felt comfortable enough with that. Um, you know, and that's it. You know, just this is it. You know, I felt like I was part of something bigger too. You know, so that was that was a good thing. So, but like, you know, I'll never. I mean, to this day, I I get choked up. Like, you know, because she was reluctant. She didn't want to, and uh, I had to get my mother-in-law to like really talk to her and like get out. Like, you know, this is this is not even a, you know, I cannot go to work knowing that there's a chance my kids won't have two parents. I was like, nah, you, you need to just go. And uh, so she finally moved in with my in-laws. I stayed home with the dogs, the cat, the chickens, you know. So, uh, you know, it was just. Um, could be a. I will say the first. It could be. The first two days pretty, were awesome. Pretty good deal, as Larry David <laughs> yeah, yeah. would say. Not a bad gig, I yeah, gotta tell you. The first two days, I was like. It's almost wow, like you this have to. Awesome. And I don't mean, mean to make a joke at it, but it's almost as if. You no, gotta I joke really, about it. I, I know, but I'm saying you, you have to approach it to her in a delicate way because if you're too overboard, it's almost like. Wait a second. Wait, what do you, you want me gone? You really want? What's the real reason that you want? But I, I you know what I'm, what I'm yeah. saying. You, you don't want to overdo it. But yeah, the first two days were nice. But then by the third day, the the silence without having my kids there drove me insane. Yeah, but what about the hospital now? The hospital is so, it crazy? Is it, is it crazy. a pandemonium? What is it? What, it what's going on? Is, is it it's packed? frantic? Frantic. So you know, we were having all of our and and this is where it's like you know, like what the hell? Like we, I've been there for since 2010. I've seen so many disaster drills that they have, and you know, all their different things that they do if this happens and that happens. Blah 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 blah. You think they would have? An idea for a pandemic because they happen apparently, you know. <laughs> so, uh, well, Bill Gates knew it was going to happen exactly. But our our uh, management was just like like a chicken with its head chopped off. They were just running on the fly. They had no idea. You know, it was just like you know, and and this was like you know, one of the things that like drove drove me nuts is like you'd have all the nurse managers huddled into their wherever meeting area, where uh, you know. I can't say if this happened there, but I've been to those meetings where you see coffee and the bagels and everybody's, you know, congregating. And then, uh, you know, and some of those nurse managers actually ran some of the new COVID floors. So now they are in the trenches with these COVID patients and then they're huddling together. And then all these nurse managers are spreading out to the whole hospital to, you know, go tell them what the next thing is. It's and like, they're wearing, are they wearing, you know, the N95s no. or are they wearing just a regular they're, they're mask? They're probably wearing a regular mask in there. You only had to wear an N95 when you were going in a room. Okay, so so real quick, so, sidebar though. Mm -hmm. how, how, in your opinion, do those masks work? Absolutely not. Okay. 100%. You know, you got the, a virus is something like less than two microns in size. The uh, opening in these masks are like 65 microns in size. So it's like it gets through. All you have to do is take a vape pen, put the mask on, take a uh, vape pen, you know, breath and blow it out. You're going to, it's just, so it's, yeah, it's, it's useless. Okay. It's, it's, uh, I mean, Fauci himself in the beginning said it was useless. I know. You know, it's like, I know, it's more uh, for political uh, theater. The boxes like. used to actually say not to be used for viruses. Are you serious? I, I kid you not. You know, it doesn't say it anymore. You know, yeah. but it, it did in the beginning. So, 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 go ahead. So, give me you. Give me a day. 
give me a day at its peak that you like the pandemonium whatever it's going on because we're hearing it from the outside mm -hmm. and i gotta tell you the first thing i'm saying to myself is thank god i'm not a nurse yeah god bless them thank god that we have them but thank god i'm not there mm -hmm. so explain to us a little bit if you can in as much detail as you can on how crazy it actually was on a given day at its peak. Well, one thing I'll definitely say before before I even got to the the peak, like my first day on a COVID floor, I um I actually wound up getting sick. I also I was just I was having like sickness feelings. I was like Shh, crap, you know. So uh so I had to go get tested, and uh, you know I went to the P lot over on the um, uh, university side. And at that time, they uh, they switched from the um, what's the P lot like outside? Uh, you go P? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's letter P. You know. It's, oh, it's, it's, okay. <laughs> I thought you meant to go P outside. Yeah. Like, what's that? That's a good lot. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's yeah. that's where all the drinkers go. Um, but yeah, so I, I get there, and at that point, they already had the National Guard troops taking you know this test. And this guy, I mean, he was ramming it up there, and finally, I was like, you know, I was like, get the, you know, like I kind of cursed at him. And um, the whole process, I actually videoed it. You know, um, the whole process was pretty interesting. And you know, the, the guy sits there with the sign. You know, take a picture of this, and you take a picture. It's a number to look up for your results. You get in forty-eight hours. Anyway, so I had to call employee health, tell them, you know, what I was feeling. By day four, I was fine. You know, I, I did you test positive? No, but it took nine days. Nine days, and yeah, at so that time, I wasn't allowed back to work. Like, I finally got to the point. Like, if this was the flu, you could get back to work twenty four hours after your, you know, uh, you know, fever free. Yeah, I'm like nine days. Nine days it took me to get back to work. So I was like, <laughs> texting my friends at work. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so now I'm coming in, and it's already two weeks in. Now on. Uh, we have a thing called a dock box. When you come off the elevator on 14 North, there's a little little room. It is small. It's like uh, maybe like an office four building. by six, not even. You know, it mm -hmm. has uh, two computer spots for the docks, and that's where the doctors sat. Most doctors never ever even assessed their patients on these COVID floors. Understand that. So uh, we were their eyes and ears. We were, the nurses were the ones on there. There was a few docs. I, I will definitely say, I'll give it to him. Like uh, Dr. Biscalia, I, I don't like his politics, but like he actually came in there. Uh, Dr. D'Souza, they, they came in there. Why and actually though? But, why, but what's, your, what's your reasoning, what's your opinion on why they would sit in that office and not go visit the patients? Because of COVID. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to get infected. So, you know, let the pawns go in, you know? <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, that's really, that's horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. Oh, God, you, you wait until I tell you about when I uh, did the phlebotomy and I got to see a bigger, broader view of the hospital and, the, you know, the crap I'd see. Like, I'll never forget, and I was taking blood on this woman who's 96 years old, had no idea, she had no clue who she even was. And all of a sudden, the phone rang. I'm like, oh, maybe it's your family, you know, and she was babbling about something. So I, I picked up the phone for her and, you know, put it on speaker and um, and I couldn't make out. It was a very heavy, like uh, almost like a Chinese accent. And I, I I didn't know. I'm like I'm not sure who you got. You know, um, who are you looking for? But um, you know, this patient's in the hospital. And she, you know, I finally got it that she's like I'm the doctor. And I'm like I was like, oh, you know, her primary care doctor outside or the hospital doctor? She's like I'm the hospital doctor. Now I'm like all wrapped up with all you know the blood work. And I'm coming out of the room. I'm like, well, she's she seems fine, you know. She doesn't. She's not really, you know, talking. She's like, oh, okay. And then she, you know, hangs up the phone. I'm like, all right. So anyway, I go outside the room, and uh, you know, I'm 
doing other rooms, and then all of a sudden I see down the hallway, I saw who actually made the call because she's outside the room calling the patients. She want to go in. She wouldn't go in. So I'm like, wow. What if I wasn't there to pick up the phone? Would she even assess that patient? Would she open the door to peek? Like you know, like she was not even going in the room, and she's calling them to see if she, how you feeling now. Asking a night, and I'm telling you right now, like again, when the nursing home, when they put them back in the nursing home, I'd say the majority of our patients were like 80s, 90s. I had a couple, like this one guy, 100 years old. I'm sitting there taking blood from him every day. I'm, <laughs> it was just like, it was amazing. You know, and like they're, they were not good, healthy 80, 90, and 100 year olds. You know, yeah. like, you know, so, and now you're isolating these people, you know, like there was, there was no, they basically would set up these uh, iPads, they'd set up like a camera on them, uh, and then there would, somebody would be monitoring at the desk, you know, to watch them, and then every once in a while you go to the desk, and you're like, well, where the hell is the person? <laughs> Nobody's watching these four people on this, uh, this video here. It's amazing. Yeah. So, what, talk to me about the treatment. So, here we are, right? I mean, because even today, it's, you know, two, three, almost two and a half years later, mm-hmm. we're still not talking about treating COVID patients. Yeah. I don't even think Anthony Fauci's ever treated a COVID patient. Nope. I don't think, you know, any of them, Dr. Kyle Francis Collins, who's the NIH director, mm-hmm. treated a COVID patient. Mm-hmm. But what were they doing to treat patients? So you get the COVID, it's running rampant throughout the whole hospital. It's, it's all over the country. A patient would come in, mm-hmm. right? Just give me an example. Uh, they're feeling ex- they're experiencing shortness of breath or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. What would the hospital do to treat that patient from A to Z? Well, right off the bat, everybody got a PCR test. You know, and if you were like somebody that was like, you know, you just like a lot of people would just come in because they were scared. They're like, oh, you know, but they were fine. You know, like you know, you, you've had the flu before, I'm sure, right? You know, yeah. Like you. you you made it, you know, like, yeah. like 99.9% of the people will make it, you know. So these people would come in uh, to get their COVID tests. And every time that hospital sticks you with a COVID test, they got a big chunk of change. All right. Like, and, and, but what? Like what What kind of money are you talking about? Do you uh, know? I don't know the exact, um, but, you know, I definitely know you could do a FOIA request for that information. So what you're saying, though, is so just correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Even if they were coming in for anything, 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 the the you hospital- stubbed your toe and you want to get get your toe uh, uh, an X ray, they're taking a, a COVID test on you because they're going to get money from the government yep. because of that. Yep. And if you went ahead and left, and you were just like, you know, because you're waiting now for hours, you know, it was crazy waits there. If you left, they still charged you. All right. And then, like you know, that gets into like one of like the biggest points about this whole thing that could I could just prove to you like this is a sham is those tests right the pcr test was um announced by the cdc in july of last year that they were throwing them out come december 31st of you know this last new year's eve and so and why because they can't differentiate between the flu and covid and they had too many false positive rates i don't remember the exact number i didn't know that part i mean hold on a second so these pcr tests Mm -hmm. Couldn't differentiate from flu or COVID. Yeah. So the the original uh, sequence that they took to for the machine to look for anything was just a common cold. They never isolated the COVID you know gene for these tests. So people would come in there, mm-hmm. 
Now, remember how many people had flu. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a second here. Yeah, they do. Oh, wait a second. Remember wait a second. when I said- I, Wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second, because now it just hit me. Yep. Ta-ding. Miraculously, mm-hmm. nobody got the flu anymore. Yep. And remember what I said no before. What? The flu numbers- Yep. Went from millions- 25 million to 45 million a year to 1,822 last year. And you're saying that that PCR test can't differentiate the flu to COVID. Mm -hmm. So anyone that tested positive for anything- What I'm saying is you need to now go back. And when somebody tells you that 800,000 people died, I need to tell you that you need to educate them. They need to go back and relook at those numbers. Because again, those numbers- it makes all sense. Like once you actually put, if you put everybody, I tell people like put on your logical thinking cap. This is where it's important to understand. A year before COVID came out, the WHO literally changed the definition of a, of a vi- uh, pandemic. It used to be how many deaths you had would determine if you had a pandemic. Now it's cases. Immediately, it makes hundred percent. You know, like like you should because realize the what, pandemic puts an emergency situation. An emergency situation gives you funds. Well, more than that, like you know, uh, the main thing is like now you understand why they pushed the testing so much. They were pushing the test, and again, the the original test, like this PCR test, it's how many times it goes through this uh, machine to look for the genetic you know thing that they're looking for. Well, you know, you could program it for anything. Um, you know. Anything over, I think it's like 28 cycles, is it's just garbage. It, there's just absolute garbage. Can you explain garbage. the PCR test, though, in layman's terms as best as you can for people, and you know, including the, myself, That what, what you're talking about here? So the best I could explain it to make it as simple as possible is these machines, you know, they, they'll put it through a machine to look for uh, a certain genetic type of material, right? Um, and again, the ma- material they're using is the common cold for the PCR test, okay? That's it. They weren't using, you know, the, uh, the COVID nineteen, the, the coronavirus. Uh, so, you know, and so what? And what it does is it has to go through the machine a few times. You know, like you run it once, you, you're probably never going to see it. But if you run it enough times, you know, you could probably pick it up. But what happened was they were running it at forty cycles, literally, not figuratively. Literally, they stopped the forty cycle mark. One hour after Joe Biden got in. So from the first PCR test when this all started to one hour from when Joe Biden got in, they were running those PCRs at 40 cycles. And remember what I said, anything over 28 cycles is garbage. You'll find anything you want to find at that point. You know, it's it's the common cold. You could have dead, you know, cells so after, in you. So after 28 cycles, it's almost a guarantee, guarantee. that you're going to have a positive test. Yep. And then what and happens? And going up to 40. And what happens? Then all of a sudden the cases go up. All right. And remember, the WHO changed the definition of a pandemic from how many deaths you have to how many cases you have. Now it makes more sense why they're ramming the cases down, and like they don't, then they will never get away from it. Every time they say, uh, "Well, you know, uh, you have to take the vaccine." Well, you know, can I at least opt to test out? Don't test. Don't comply. Don't give them the. If we all stopped testing. Right now, 100%. We get 100% people in this country stop testing. Guess what happens to the virus? Over. By their definition, if you have, you know, so many cases, then you, you know. You have a pandemic. Then you have a pandemic. So if you don't test for it, guess what you don't have? Cases. 
And I could tell you uh, firsthand, you know, I mean, I don't know about the ICU uh, level patients, but I do know a lot of them were like many of them, like 75% had four comorbidities that died, you know. But like what I was seeing is people were there with COVID, not for COVID. All right. That's what I saw on most of these floors. So you're saying that they came in for whatever reason. And while they were there, they had to get forced to get tested. Mm Mm-hmm. They might even test it for COVID, but not even have COVID yep. because of how they were doing the cycles, yep. right? Yep. So now that they have COVID, it's more money. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, more money for the I, test. Have you ever heard somebody sit there and tell you, like, oh, yeah, I got COVID twice. And know what I say? Bullshit. You probably maybe had it once. The first time, they probably had the flu or something else. You did not have COVID. Especially when you're like, oh, yeah, I had asymptomatic COVID. No such thing. No such thing. But, where, but why would they do this? Why do you? You're in the professional field here, in the hospital. Why would? Why do you think? Is it? Is it really because of the greed of the money? So I, I take a broader view. Um, forget about the hospital, right? You know, I, I, and this is how I try to explain to people. And um, you know, they've been pushing this all over the country, right? They have, and especially with the mandates, they screwed up the hospital system. They screwing up our police. They are screwing up our firemen. They are screwing up our soldiers. Okay, they're screwing up every fabric of our backbone that makes us the strongest country in the world. Why would you do that? Why? Would you want to usher something else in? Could be. Am I at that level of intelligence to tell you yes or no? I have no idea. I'm not. I'm not in the CIA or FBI or whatever three-letter agencies are out there. But I am a layman that could. I know tactics and like. And if I was going to war, the first thing I would do to that country is I would screw them over from within. Screw them over, and screw them over with money because people, you know, like that's where it's like. Greed will breed the most horrible, evil creatures out there. Satan's money, like, like to me, the whole pension system, like, I can't tell you how many nurses that sat there and say, ah, oh, I'm going to get the shot, you know, I got this pension and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I got a pension too. You know what? It's not going to be there with that pension. When I die and see Jesus' face, yes. I could give a crap about that money, right? So, like, you know, people have to really start looking at what is the alternative motive. I can't tell you because I'm not in that level of intelligence, but what I could tell you is if it don't smell right, like, come on. Yes, I like, understand what you're saying. So let, let, let me ask you this. So 800,000 people tested positive, say, for COVID-19. So they, oh, no, 800,000 people died. died. Millions more, uh, I forgot how many million by now, uh, tested positive. But even though, but the, here's the thing. If they died, say, of cancer, mm-hmm. but tested positive through that, let's just call it what it is, a Fugazi test, yeah. right? They would mark him off as a COVID death. 100%. I had a, um, uh, one of my coworkers, her father-in-law, took him about three months before he passed. You know, And uh, he was at Stony Brook, so she was able to you know, go see him and stuff. Uh, he was put on the COVID floor, um, had 25 COVID PCR tests, right? 25 of them were all negative. And on his death certificate, he died with complications due to um, COVID as per the death certificate. How they got that information when you have 25 negative PCR tests, I don't 25. know. Why would they test 25 times? Because uh, when you're there, it's a, it was just their protocol. And that's the thing. They constantly you, you go they, for- They want the positive. Well, they needed every five days uh, or three or five days you had to get a test. Oh, that's another thing. Like, you know, now in Feb- uh, July, when they announced, the CDC announced that they were throwing out this PCR test, these poor families, you know, like imagine if your mom was dying and it took her three months to die. If you wanted to go visit her, 
uh, back when there was uh, you were allowed to have visitation, you had to ha- prove a PCR a negative PCR test every seventy two hours. Every three days, you had to get a PCR test to see your dying relative on a test that it just told you is was getting thrown out. They knew it was getting thrown out. So why are you forcing people to get a test? And like, if I got a test on day, at the 24-hour mark, if I get contact with somebody with COVID, why would I have to go to 72? Like, none of it makes sense. So here is the thing. It almost sounds like a a designed pandemic, Mm -hmm. so to speak, or plandemic, how you want to say it. But there's something else that you said earlier that when you think about it, how many people suffered? It's those elective surgeries. How many people are still suffering? Those surgeries that I needed to get, say, cancer treatment mm-hmm. or chemotherapy. Like my floor. 100%. Like your, That's what I'm saying, that you were working at. Yeah. But now because the, the hospital's making so much money mm-hmm. on all of these COVID patients mm-hmm. and every time, and it's, and it's guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. It's the federal government money funding them, right, coming yep. in. These people now suffered. They couldn't get their treatment. They couldn't see their doctor. They may have been able to been, say, at stage one mm-hmm. and find out that they have cancer. But now because they're not able to get a hospital visit, they can't go in there. By the time they actually do, it's too late. Yep. I, I mean, nobody I, talks about that. I mean, and, and you're just talking about on that level. I, I'll go a, a few more levels up. You know, psychiatric people that can't get their proper treatment because they can't get inpatients. Um, people that need physical therapy. Uh, people that, you know, like my aunt who's like dying of pain because of her needs a hip surgery. <laughs> That's not going to happen right now. Um, and they're there in that ha- in their house mm-hmm. or whatever, and they can't get that surgery. And then we're talking not just you got to wait two weeks, we're backed up. We're talking months, months. Yep, and months. months and months and months. And that pain, if somebody has to get hip surgery, yep. you don't even realize it because you don't never have a hip issue. Yep. But just you could just imagine what these people are going through. Can't get up, can't go to sleep, can't sit down, yep. can't do anything. Yeah, I had a patient um, after when we finally reopened as an endoscopy unit and we finally got away from everything. Um, within the first week, I had this one patient, you know, he was had rectal bleeding and, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic and he went to go get it checked out and then they stopped everything. So he had to deal with constantly bleeding. He couldn't leave his house, you know, uh, constantly had to get, you know, checked uh, for uh, his blood work and stuff. Anyway, we finally did the colonoscopy and he had a huge mass, you know, it's just like now... I, you know, I, I don't know whatever happened with him, you know, like, cause there was other follow-ups that he was having a hard time getting, you know, like you have to follow up now with, uh, you know, the PET scan, you gotta, you know, uh, you gotta do, uh, another colonoscopy so they could do an ultrasound to make sure it didn't go through the walls. If it's isolated in one spot, that's one thing, uh, go to colorectal surgery, you know, like th- there's so much stuff that has to be done at that point at a time when it's almost impossible to get anything done. It's, you it's, know? it's unbelievable. And so then here, so let's let, let's let's fast forward here now. Mm-hmm. So now there's mayhem at the hospital. The tests, what you're talking about, what's going on. You're seeing all of this, and then there's start talks about a vaccine that's mm-hmm. coming. Right yep. now, if you've already been through everything, yep. there's no vaccine at the time. You're risking your life every single day. You're going in. You don't know what's going on. You don't know the severity. You're being lied to. Everybody's being lied to. Yep. But yet every day you get up. And I'm sure what what kind of shifts were you doing? Uh, so when I was on endoscopy, it was it was great. You know, you know had uh, holidays and weekends off. You know, yeah, of course. So, yeah, but uh, when I was uh, when you shifted off to the nights, uh, it was night shift twelve hours. You know, so 
And uh, what originally got me out of the, the ER is I had a, a back injury where I have like a spinal cord stimulator now. So it's like, you know, it's, you know, standing long periods of time. That's why I went to the endoscopy unit originally because it was 10-hour shifts. So, you know, it was a lot easier on the body. Now I'm lifting patients again and doing all this other crap. It was, it's, it's a lot. You know, it's, uh, it wasn't easy. You know, so, so, so now here you are with doing all of this mm-hmm. you, you, again, like I said, but th- now the talk of the vaccines coming, mm-hmm. what was, what was going on? What was the, the, you so know, the talk in the, the hospital now that vaccines might be rolling out? Yeah. The first trials uh, were actually done on some of our ER nurses. And um, I remember when it, it finally got approved uh, on emergency use only, you know, and then it was, uh, it was a choice at that point. I uh, ran into one of my uh, old colleagues in the ER, and I saw him. I was like, hey, Ben, you know, this and that. I'll leave his name out. But uh, he's like, I'm doing good, blah, blah, blah. But he, he looked like crap. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it right there. But he didn't look good. So, um, And he took the, he took the test. So, yeah, we were, we were BSing, and uh, he actually told me that he, he got the vaccine. I was like, I was like, oh, you were in the trial. I was like, how'd that go? He's like, he's like, it went when? He's like, I didn't have any problems with it. You know, he's like, I even called the um, uh, the company. I think he was, I believe he said Pfizer. I, I, don't call me, uh, whichever one he called. Um, you know, he basically uh, was like, yeah. You know, I I called him up. He's like, you know, I just wanted to know if I got the placebo or not because if I got the placebo, I want to get a vaccine. You know, and if if not, then you know, I'll give somebody else could take that one because in the beginning they're like, oh, there's not enough vaccines, but meanwhile there's so many millions. Like, what you have to do to get the amount of vaccines that they have available had have been done years ago. But um, regardless oh, of the wait, fact, whoa, 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 whoa. So you're saying there's no way that they were able to get that kind of rollout out if they weren't already prepared to have a rollout coming out. Yeah. And the reason why that it came out in, say, nine months is because it really was going on for almost two years prior to that. Uh, even more than that. I mean, like the original... Like, because usually they said the vaccines take five years. A regular vaccine minimum more. would take five... Yeah. What, what, what you hear? I'm not yeah, in the profession. About 10 years. So 10 years. Yeah. So now this one's rolling out nine years, and you're saying the amount of vaccines that are available, there's no way that they were able to do that in a nine-month period. A brand new. Brand new. Brand new vaccine, like brand new technology. Yeah, that nobody's yeah. taken before. No one's ever, and uh, you know, the animal studies, um, I can't find any more on the internet, but if you could find um, you know, some of the studies on the animals, just understand that none of the animals made it, okay? Um, yeah, it's, it's beyond like yeah. how they even let this out on uh, uh, trials on humans. Tell me about the guy now, though, so you see So, him. all right, so this is the thing. Like, you know, people are like, ah, oh, I believe in the science, right? Okay, so in science, um, you know, the basic thing is you do a peer review study, you know. Um, are you talking about the guy? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. It's going to lead up to the guy. Right. So, you know, and whenever you're doing a study on something like new like this, you have to have a control group. You have to. You don't tell the person that had the vaccine if they got it. You don't tell the person that got the placebo if they got it. This way, you watch both of them, both groups throughout the time, and then whichever one happens, and then you could make a you know objective thing. Like I said, he called the company and he asked them, and they told him, "No, you actually got the vaccine." That just destroyed, the completely study. destroyed the study. If anybody doesn't understand that. I don't know what else. that is like beyond a no no, you know, yeah. like, like uh, other studies, you know, like that, you know, that's the whole purpose of the study. Yeah. So it's anonymous that you don't know which one has got the yep. placebo, or which one has the real vaccine. Yeah. What happened to this? You said this guy looked like shit. 
He did look like shit. So um, I I ha- I've seen him since then, and because uh, like the day I saw him, he looked like 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 a zombie, and it's like he just didn't look good. Like, he didn't look like he was sleeping right. You know, he he was having some issues with uh, a family member. That's why we bumped into each other. But um, you know, I haven't seen him since. I don't know how he's doing. Okay. So 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 tell me about now. So the vaccines. You're saying that people are taking the trials. Was there ever, you know, any talk at that point now? And what, what are we now in maybe, say, November, September, October, November, right? The vaccine uh, I, came I out in remember. December. <laughs> yeah. The vaccine Pfizer came out in December, right after the election, actually, yeah, yeah. November 3rd. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, how miraculous that was. But was there ever talks that, hey, man, we may be mandated to do this based on what we saw in 2008 with the flu? Or was it that they'll never do that to us? We've been here this whole time. How can they possibly... May force us to do it when we've been working vaccine free this whole entire time, mm-hmm. busting our ass yep. for everyone. So the first time was uh, before I, you know, anything that was even a mention of mandates, because um, I thought it was just going to be you, you chose it, you didn't choose it. You know, if you didn't choose it, you're going to have to keep wearing your mask. Although now every fully <laughs> vaccinated staff still has to wear a mask. But um, the first time, like, uh, again, on endoscopy, um, the chief medical uh, assistant, chief medical officer, Dr. Sun, uh, he's a GI doctor um, working on my floor. You know, we, we both BS every once in a while. His, you know, me, I'm more libertarian. He's more left-leaning, you know, in politics. But we kept, always kept it light. You know, we had a good Which relationship. Which doesn't mean anything, yeah. to be honest with you. Who cares? Right? Exactly. At the end of the day, you're American and yep. human being. 100%. Yeah. And um, I'll never forget one time, he's like, hey, Tom, come here. And he's on the computer. Computer and uh, you know he s- brings up this article and uh, I, f- I don't remember what state it was and what hospital system. But it was the first time I ever heard of a hospital system was going to mandate the vaccine. He's like, "What do you think about this?" It, you know, the hospital worked in 22 states, they had 170,000 employees, and I was like, I was "Like that sounds like a lot of lawsuits for them." And then he looked at me. He's like, "You don't think that they uh, don't have uh, a team of lawyers that have already calculated that risk, you know, and uh, you know, basically, you know." still feel that it's okay and that they could go forward with it. And I looked him right in the eyes and I'm like, so what you're saying is Stony Brook has a team of lawyers that has already calculated this. And he looked at me with a, like one of those shit eating grins, like, <laughs> you know, like, and I was like, yeah, it's coming. I was like, yeah, I was like, interesting. You know? And so that was the first time I heard it. Um, I believe that was, it, it was, a, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was a couple months before they announced it. Like it was, uh, when did they announce it? I think it was July that Como came out with his order and, um, you know, mandating, you know, uh, healthcare, healthcare worker. workers. And that was a shit show. I, I'll tell you talk right now. Talk about July of 2021. Yeah. When that got announced, you want to talk about fireworks. Like, people were up in arms. You're talking about in the hospital? In the hospital. Well, but why? So, this is, so, so I want to look at this in an objective way here mm-hmm. for a second, okay? So, you have Big Pharma. You have the pharmaceutical companies. You have Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer. You have Moderna. They're, you know, they're trying to bring trust to the American public. They're yeah. trying to tell people that these vaccines are safe. Yeah, Donald Trump even said he's mm-hmm. the one with walk, Operation Warp Speed. Then you have the new administration. They come and they're telling you that it's safe and that these are safe vaccines and it's okay. But yet the hospital workers. There's a reason for that. Um, so leading up to the moment that we were mandated, people were, nurses were taking it. You know, like I had uh, one of my uh, coworkers, she basically, um, you know, for health, uh, you know, for childcare reasons, her mother-in-law 
watches her kids. So, you know, she she didn't want the vaccine. She never gets the flu shot, never did, was so against it. But she's like, well, you know, uh, whatever, I'll get it, you know, because, you know, my mother-in-law's not going to watch the kids anymore, afraid that she was going to bring home COVID to her. So she got the vaccine and she was like one of the first injuries I saw. Her. And um, it was like, it was horrifying. Like this poor girl, like for six months, like nonstop, that like every night, and it only happened at nighttime, head to toe, she would be like, she said her skin felt like it was on fire. Different parts of her body would be swelling. One time she sent a picture. I, I shouldn't laugh. If you, I know you're going to watch this. So I'm sorry. I won't say your name. But her lips looked like two hot dogs. You know, it was just like, like what the hell is going on with this girl's body? You know, like that's that was crazy. Uh, my wife um, worked with a gentleman day three. He was fifty something years old. Day three after his first shot, um, like full blown seizures. You know, like unbelievable. And he's just like, well, you know, maybe it was uh, you know just coincidence. Blah blah blah. I'm like, or, or maybe it's a shot. Like <laughs> you took you just took a brand new technology. Three days later, you have full blown seizures. Don't ever take that again, you know? So how would, um, so if somebody came in back, they take, they take the shot and they come back into the hospital, is there any reporting that this guy, see now there's reporting about the COVID. Yeah, the right? VARES. Is there any, yeah, the VARES. Is there anyone really doing that or are people being like so, nonchalant about that? So he would have to report it. Or his doctor would have to report it. Whether he did or not, I don't know. You know, like if, if he's sitting there saying, oh, maybe it was just something else and like, you know that's that's something reportable you know you need to report that you know I, I, so hopefully he did but let, I, I don't know I, I just want to go back real quick here though too about the whole thing happening with covid mm -hmm. based on your perspective and what you were seeing though the people that were coming in and let's just say they were testing positive for covid mm -hmm. would you see a majority of the the ones what i'm trying to say is is the people that were really had to be nervous about COVID. Were they young, healthy people, or were they people that were all, all, all ages? You know, everybody. It, uh, I always uh, said it's like it depends on what news organization they were watching will be determine how scared they were. Um, but what I'm saying is, is yeah. did, based on what you're saying, would a, a healthy 17 year old kid? Absolutely not. There's there, there's no reason for them to get a vaccine. Yeah, I'm saying, would would they be nervous? But like, if they got COVID and they went into the hospital because maybe they have anxiety and they're like, "Oh my God, I got COVID." The first COVID. year, there was zero cases of hospital uh, cases of anybody under the age of 18. The second year, we got the vaccines. Now we're having cases of kids under 18 in the hospital with COVID. Do you think that you is do the math? Do you think that's a correlation because of the vaccine? What I'm saying is that's the information. If you want to actually follow science, now you have to study that. You know, it, there's no getting around that. If you're sitting there like we're all science, then okay. Now we need to get all the information from all the hospitals all over the, the world at this point. There's no need. Like, you know, I, we're at a research facility. I have a friend that literally does the, um, you know, helped build the supercomputer on the college side. If you had any idea what that computer- At Stony Brook. At Stony Brook uh, University. If you had any idea what the, the calculations this thing could do, it could get all that information in a millisecond and give you an answer. You know, with a 90, probably 5 to 99% accuracy. You need to pump in all that information and get, you know, what was it the first year? How many children were in the hospital? How many children had heart attacks? I, like, this is another thing. Like, you know, around the time that it was coming up on the mandate, we had patients coming. 
Now, on the endoscopy unit, I see their health care, you know, everything. And also, we started getting people coming in there with some crazy, like, stuff that was going on in their bodies after they got their vaccine. So, you know, they would never have been there that day to even see me unless they got that vaccine, in my mind. So, you know? what, so what are you guys saying in the hospital? Are you guys saying, hey, listen, this, this, this is the reason, so, is the vaccine is doing this? I mean, can you believe this? So, the, And is that why there's <laughs> vaccine hesitancy in the healthcare system? Uh, that's definitely a huge reason. Like me, it goes under religious uh, beliefs. Um, but, you know, even if I didn't have religious beliefs at this point, I've seen enough where I'm like, guys, America, <laughs> I'm sorry. You've been duped. You've been duped. You know, you got when when they're manipulating. I call it buyer's remorse. When you when I when I, I'll ask uh, you know Eric to put up that uh, one uh, you know thing to show you how it was documented as far as cases. You know, um, uh, what, what is that one? You the, have that? Yep, it, it's the one. Uh, what they uh, we always get this thing. It's called the Hope uh, Reports from uh, this, uh, you know the chief nursing officer Carolyn Carolyn Santora. Um, we, you know, the nurses dubbed it the hopeless report because it was like it was never ending. So this is just like a basic one. This is older. Um, it gives you, of course, the red X's are the unvaccinated. The green X's. This is September are the of two thousand and twenty-one. Yep. So now understand what that even means. All right. So the green means you're you're fully vaccinated. Like that's how each accent. Which one are you on? You on the left, all the way to the uh, left. Yeah, all the, it doesn't matter anyone, but all the way to the left. If you're green, it stands for fully vaccinated. All right, but you're there with COVID, and it doesn't differentiate if you're there with COVID or for COVID. But it that's there. The red ones are, and this is where they manipulate the numbers. Is all those unvaccinated ones, right? Just to let you know, if you got your vaccine and on day 13 you get COVID to the point you have to come to the hospital, guess what? You're not going to be a green X. You're going to be a red X, okay? I don't know now how many of those actually had at least one dose of the vaccine. Those blue ones down there, that, that's partially vaccinated. I can't tell you if all those, if one or if not all, because again, if you got your second shot and on the 13th day you had to get the hospital you just came in as a partial you're not fully even though you got two shots you're not not fully the newer ones actually break it down even more of how many people are there are fully with boosters all right uh that's not on this one i, I have that uh elsewhere so that's that's the basic breakdown and then they'll tell you how many is in the icu how many were uh you know um in the icu unit and then how many are ventilated in those icu units but yeah. here's the thing, though. What, what sticks out to me is, with the vaccine, wouldn't you think that wouldn't you think there would be no green X's there at all? Hundred percent, you would think that. Um, but understand that, like, you know, uh, like even with the staffing currently, like at Stony Brook, it's still horrible. But I, like at one point around Christmas time, it got so bad they were down thirty percent of their staff because of the mandate. No. The, no. Uh, all right. So before <laughs> before December. Um, once they put in this mandate, you had a lot of COVID burnout. You, I'd say about probably five to ten percent of the you know the nurses like, good luck guys, have fun, and they they tapped out. They're done. They're gone. You're talking about December, Christmas of this year. Yeah, no, this no, this is uh, September before the mandate came out. Uh, we had to be uh, fully vaccinated. It'll show proof of vaccination by this, uh, September 27th. Um, of 2021. In 2021. So a lot of nurses were just tapping out at that point. They're like, screw this. This I'm done. Um, so you already had like 5 to 10% that were down. 
And then leading up to it, originally you had t- over 1,200 staff, not just nurses. This is nurses, doctors, um, maintenance, uh, housekeeping, Orderlies, whatever, everything. Um, you know, 1,200 people that weren't getting the vaccine. You know, and then uh, wound up. You know, I think half of them caved within that. You know, on that date, but that's something else. But um, you know, the point I was trying to make is, uh, you know. You now the people that are working here on on like in December, you know, they basically are fully vaccinated. Some of them already now have their boosters, right? So you lost five percent before. You probably lost another ten percent on because of this mandate. So now you're down fifteen percent of your staff. So now what is left is eighty five percent, right? Of that eighty five percent, thirty percent of them were out sick with COVID. Fully vaccinated, some with boosters, out out sick with COVID, and like they're telling me, I can't work because I'm a detriment to everybody, you know. Um, but these fully vaccinated staff who are still shopping in your shopping centers, they're still going to, you know, Walmart, Target. They're out there. They make no mistake. They still got to eat, right? So they're coming from a hospital and still out in the community and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, but I can't, you know, work. It makes no sense. Like these people are so, so, fully so, vaccinated so, and wearing N95. So, so basically PPE. this is, and this is, this is where I, you know, this is my thing too with the whole vaccine. Mm-hmm. You're not protecting anyone other than yourself. I'm saying from going to the hospital, but you can still get, if you're vaccinated, mm-hmm. you can still get COVID well, yeah. and you can still get COVID and you can still be asymptomatic, not even know you have COVID, no. but yet because you're vaccinated, you could go into the hospital and give it to everybody that's there. Mm-hmm. But you who's unvaccinated, who doesn't have COVID, who may even test negative for COVID, can't go in there at all Mm -hmm. but yet that vaccinated person just because they're vaccinated who can get covid just like you can go there and spread it like wildfire yeah it's one of the most ridiculous things Mm -hmm. in my in my whole lifetime because it's it's really talking to stupid people Mm -hmm. that it's like wait a second no 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 that is a that's a circle and it can't fit into that you know that's square (laughs) you know what i mean it it just can't do it and you're telling everybody no it can and it will but it doesn't mm-hmm. and we all know it now like the jig is up that's it it's it's over well it's up but you know the uh, the, the only reason why they still keep going with it and I'll tell you exactly why go into any store today and count how many people are wearing their masks america if you're still complying with the mask you're now a new special kind of stupid they don't work take that effing thing off seriously there's there's no reason no reason to wear a mask there is no science again uh, so I'm I'm all about science. But I do love you talk science. to the doctors? Are they, uh, when you were there, yeah. were, were you talk to like yeah. doctors? And I'm not trying to to, to no, down, no, I'm just trying to get more uh, you know of a, of a credible situation here. So uh, I'll, I'll give you a, a for instance again that that doctor son he was um, he had to actually implement all the uh, recommendations from the CDC. And some of the stuff was just like ridiculous. Like they uh, put these plexiglasses up next to you know the computers, but meanwhile you'll see him himself, not like somebody else, him himself sitting there, re- looking around. Oh, sorry, looking around the uh, the the plexiglass to teach something to one of his fellows as they're like huddled. I got pictures, plenty of pictures. Trust me, in video you have no idea. I was a one pissed off nurse, and this thing, 
remember, this is your best best freaking option to you know defeat this crap because it, it is. I mean, like you know, he would sit there, and uh, I, I went ahead and told him the whole thing with the Lancet. Do you know about the Lancet? Yeah, the, the journal, the medical okay. journal. So most people don't realize they had the all those doctors sign that stupid thing that really wasn't. Um, yeah, they were saying the the VA uh, patients were dying from hydrochloroquine. You know, because and this is what happened. Like like at that time. We were actually using it on ventilated patients, which it's not supposed to be used for that. It's supposed to be used a preemptive before they even get to the hospital. Hydrochloroquine. Yeah. Okay. So, and I think that was the question that I asked you before, and, I, and maybe we just got away from it. Is, mm-hmm. is the treatment of the patient, right? Yep. We were talking about Dr. Fauci, and, yeah. and there's no treatment. Yeah. Right. Because they treated, they 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 did their study, but they did their study not when it was supposed to. Like the study is to do it, but prior to. They did the study when they were on the ventilator already, and they're like, ah, see, it don't work. You know, and then you get this Lancet report, and this is another big point that people need to understand. The Lancet came out and said, you know, once Trump said that, it, you know, it's, it's helping him you know, hear good things, Lancet came out, they did the whole report saying that, you know, it's killing people in the VA study, blah, 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 blah. Are you aware that they had to retract their story two weeks later? Yeah, I did. Okay. That's, so that's the story that most, I'm talking about. Most people don't. Of course, because they won't cover it. They won't cover it. So they won't I, cover it. So this is my answer uh, from Dr. Sun uh, when I went ahead and I, I went ahead and I brought it this to him like you know this is just ridiculous and he just started yelling at one time he's just like you don't understand you know the the true enemy is covid and we gotta do whatever we gotta do and you know vaccines are the best thing to you know to fix this and i'm like no the true enemy is people that don't want to follow truth you know like that's a big like you know again you want to tell me follow science i love science you know but you better have some peer-reviewed studies you better have it cited and show me where to find it because if i can't find it you're what you have to say and what you're selling is a bunch of bull you know what do not comply with it all right and that's what every american needs to do right now is stop complying with this until they show us proof so 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 talk to me now about the so the mandates come out mm-hmm. now you know that there's going to do you have to be kind of nervous about that point right because this is your life nervous i was pissed i was pissed, pissed. yeah but i'm saying like <laughs> this is your job you've been yeah. here and now all of a sudden not because of any reason that you say you know what nursing was good to me i'm gonna hang up you know hang up the cleats i'm gonna maybe go, you know go into something else that's one thing. It's a different thing when somebody's forcing you yes. to do something, which is really so un-American, mm-hmm. right? In in what in the society and the country that we live in. But here you are, you're doing it helping. This is what really bothers me about the whole healthcare system and how there's not more of an uprising with it. Mm-hmm. These people, meaning these people, yourself included, they were there every day risking their lives. They had mm-hmm. no idea what it was. Thank God it wasn't as worse. Could have been even worse. Everybody could have dropped dead. They don't know. Yep. But they went there every day. They put on their outfit. They went there and they helped people. Yeah. Well, without the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, you have to be vaccinated. Yep. I mean, it, it has to drive you crazy. It it does. It, it definitely does. Um, you know, because like for me, like in the beginning, like you know, it, it was. It really was. It was like at first, just like all right, this is bigger than me, and you know, whatever. You know, like again, I I don't look at things like everybody else. I could care less if I die tomorrow, as long as I know I did everything I could to you know you know stay true to my my beliefs. And um, like you know, we were going in, people were buying us food, like all these beautiful you were notes. At, uh, oh my God, the notes at Stony Brook was amazing. 
amazing. Like, you know, because like they had uh, GoFundMe's for the coffee, so we'd all run down before they'd run out of money. And uh, every day we had, uh, you know, free coffees from Starbucks because they, they were still essential in the hospital. And they had all these notes. All these kids were writing us these letters, and I would read them. And I, I'm like, I, I tell you, like, to me, that that was amazing to me. I, I felt like, all right, this, this, you know, this, can I tell you what it was like? Can I tell you what it was like? And, and, and I'm not t- trying to take away from one or the other. Mm-hmm. It was almost like being a firefighter at 9 11. Mm-hmm. But you're a healthcare worker during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, you're saving people's lives. You, you did, you're doing something that you're throwing yourself into those firefighters. They didn't sit there and debate whether or not they went in. They risked yep. their lives. They didn't have a choice. They, you know, and and a lot of them died because of the heroism of making that decision of trying to help people. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. You had no idea what is going on. And these kids, they're writing notes. They're doing all of it. They, I remember too. I think it was in the city. I think it was maybe seven o'clock. They would ro- chime a bell, mm-hmm. and you know, to to have a like a salute to the healthcare workers, and they're our heroes. And then you start hearing this son of a bitch. Yeah. Governor Cuomo, who has blood on his hands with these healthcare, you know, with the nursing homes, and as a rapist, <laughs> yeah, and is coming on with, you know, the the mandates, and then it starts getting closer and closer. What was so so? What was going through your mind? Did you think that a religious exemption was going to work? What were the options? What were you being told? What were so, are you, you know? Is there a union lawyer that comes down and says, "Hey, listen, this <laughs> is our, you suck." Okay, yeah, what I'm saying is, this is this is our option. Well, just tell us what was going on because this so, is your livelihood. Yeah, here. so this is and our, our unions railroaded us. UUP, PEF, they all they're garbage. They're garbage. Don't you think I, they're I, on the take? I again, I nothing I could prove, but when they're sitting there telling us, uh, well, you know, we, you know, uh, there is precedent, uh, you know, uh, in nineteen uh, whatever seventeen uh, whatever they're in a swine that. flu, and, uh, yeah. The, yeah, the Spanish flu, or whatever, yeah. yeah, it's just like, <laughs> dude, you're citing something from a hundred something years ago. This is different. This is this is like a completely new technology, like, you know, like. And not only that, though, too, though the the, the survival rate. Right is what ninety nine point nine percent like for somebody like me yeah you know, so you know, I mean, people, what are we talking about yeah the ones that needed it like if you're gonna give it and force people is maybe if they had multiple comorbidities maybe if that would have been like Tell, understandable I, I got I, and I said this on my show one time I want to just bring this to you right because you're in the profession mm-hmm. tell me about a patient right if they think that they have say say they have a lump on their chest mm-hmm. and they're nervous I'm sure you see people they get mm-hmm. nervous you can see how they are the anxiety oh, and everything yeah. right. Yep. And then tell me, though, if a doctor said to that patient after they did tests after test and said, listen, you have this, ex, you know, you have cancer or you may, you, whether it is cancer or not. But I just want to tell you that the type of cancer you have or the type of condition you have, there's a ninety nine point nine percent chance you're going to survive this <laughs> after the operation. All of it. it you're just going to go back. Mm-hmm. How happy would they be? Very happy. Extremely, yeah. right? You, yeah. you, I'm sure you saw doctors. in the odds. If you, if you, anybody gambles, you know, my mom was a gambler. 99.9%, <laughs> you're yeah. going to survive this. Yep. You would probably see that patient, when because you, you saw them walk in, oh, yeah. a nervous wreck, yep. right? And then walk out. It's a, total, it's a whole I, new world. I've seen ones with less of a chance of uh, the survival and were happier than a pig and you know what. You know? Yeah, no, I like, understand. So trust me, when they hear like there's a hope, it's amazing, you so, know? So that's what I'm saying. So 99.9% mm-hmm. chance yep. that you're going to survive. So so, so tell me, though. So you can, now they're forcing this down your throat. Now mm-hmm. you may, you have to make these decisions. Is this something that you go now? 
Was there ever a doubt in your mind that you weren't going to take it, or was there sometimes from the, from the from the get go? Uh, like uh, me, I I pray every morning, every night, multiple times during the day. Uh, I'm constantly talking to God. To me, it's like again, my body's my temple. Like you know, I feel like I'm a vessel for what God wants me to do for whatever reason. Um, and like you know, when I would meditate on it from the beginning about like and that's when something anything that in my life if i'm not sure about it, i have a reservations whatever the case may be try to quiet my mind listen like god created my heart god created my gut it will tell me it's my guidance system you know like you know and uh right off the bat not only was i just it did not feel right it was just like it was and i felt that before in my life i've had situations and if i ever went when i gone against that feeling it never ended well for me. So I knew once that feeling was that, I was like, this is not even an option. I, and then I was seeing the, the I kept on seeing the the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast. That's all I kept on seeing. Okay, so but, but now, but I, I want to play devil's advocate here though, because mm -hmm. something that you said that brought to, you know, my attention here, which I didn't think of, and I, and I don't even know if it is true, but something that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. When we said, yeah, the vaccines are only nine months old, and you're like, no, they're not. They were being developed a long time ago. Oh, yeah. So just hold on a second. Mm -hmm. So if that's actually true, if the vaccine now has been developed, say it's not nine months, these people are not really, based on your theory though, they're not guinea pigs because these vaccines were happening for years and, and they, there's no way that they could roll out well, they, millions of vaccines at this time. So then why would you have hesitancy though if then if they were tested for so long? Well, uh, so they were tested on the animals. You know, they were never tested on humans. You know, we are in the human trial right now. If you took a vaccine, you are the guinea pig. Make no mistake. Okay. All right. So that's like, that's that's it. You know, we don't know what's going to happen to you. Um, we had like, you know, and another Which thing. Which is like, scary in itself. And this is the scariest thing. If you're pregnant, all right, uh, if you're a woman out there and you're pregnant, understand that at Stony Brook, that same GI doctor, GI doctor, right? Not an OBGYN, a GI doctor would actually sit there and explain the the safety of the vaccines to the pregnant nurses, you know, that were hesitant to get the vaccine before the mandate was uh, in, in place. All right. So. But why? Uh, but why would, but what, was their, the, what was their angle? Why would a doctor. I don't know. But listen to this part because this is going to scare the shit out of you. Okay. Um, those women that got it and are pregnant, I'm going to tell you right now, there is no study, none of what's going to happen to that child at the six month mark. The one-year mark, the five-year mark, the ten-year mark—are we coming into uh, an evolving? We don't know what's happened going to happen because again, this is an mRNA vaccine. Is that changing something in that child? In like, the DNA. In the DNA, like, like you just you do you do not know. There is no study, you know, to say uh, to, and for him, I'm like that's a slippery slope. I, I'm like. You know, we had a 28-year-old uh, pregnant nurse. She was eight months pregnant. She was due on uh, Thanksgiving. She died 10 days after her second shot. Was it the shot? I don't know. You know, but... Like, I bet you gun to your head, though, if you had to answer that question, you would say it was the shot. Uh, what I would say is, you, I know, mean, you just had you had a healthy 28-year-old. Eight months you know, pregnant. I don't know her health history, so that's I can't go on. Like If I knew everything about her, I'd give you a better answer. But if she was, like, from my understanding, like, I saw pictures of her, um, normal, young, beautiful young lady um, doing Thanksgiving. Her, her husband had to wake up, um, not only his wife dead, but his baby, you know? Like, it's horrible. Eight months. Eight months. So, so 
how did you get the news that it was coming in that your job now is in jeopardy or the day that you had, you know, there's a deadline. Was there a deadline? Oh, yeah, the deadline. So talk to yep. me about the approaching of that deadline and how you were acting and behaving and what was the whole, you know, again, vibe of the hospital when that mandate was coming, that date. So as soon as it got announced, uh, the bullying started. Like I could tell you, like people were just like, some people were just caving because they were like, oh, you know, uh, doctors tell me to do it. I don't know. They didn't give it enough thought, you know, for whatever reason. And to me, you know, everybody does everything for their own thing. I feel you should do your own research before. But um, regardless, you know, going up to it, it was like when it first got announced, it was fireworks. People were, I mean, I, I was getting boisterous. I remember uh, poor Dr. Bacobo hearing an earful for me. <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Bacobo. Um, you know, because it's just like I'm more on the, the freedom. I, 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 again, I have like a libertarian stance. I don't care if you're left. I don't care if you're right. I like liberty. And that's worth dying for, you know. And like now you're forcing something on me. And you're using coercion. There's no, like, you cannot slice or dice. If you're telling me I'm going to lose my pension, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my livelihood, unless I put something in my body against my beliefs, that's coercion. Okay, but, you know, listen, I I understand what you're saying, Mm -hmm. and I I respect it 100%. Again, I'm not vaccinated, so it's not I'm trying to sit here and, and push one way or the other on you, but I'm hearing a lot more of the religion, religion, religion. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you really saying what maybe religious exemption? No, but I'm saying the religious exemption. But why won't you just come out and well, why isn't it just, hey, I don't want to be a guinea pig and I don't think it's safe. Where's that conversation coming from? Hey, listen, don't you don't you don't have a, you don't have the right because an unelected body, the New York State Department of Health, you know, made a suggestion to a serial rapist that said, no, this is now a mandate. So now, and people don't realize mandate's not a law. So you're saying, okay, my whole thing was twofold. One was religious. One was, I don't think that I want to be a guinea pig and I don't trust the vaccine there's, there's and no I don't see it. for that. But there's no option. So the option is the religious option, which you already had. Or medical. Or medical. Mm -hmm. And what would be a medical reason, though? Um, So the only approved medical um, thing is if you had a prior uh, reaction to this vaccine. So like that that girl that I was talking to uh, talking about, um, she was able to get a medical exemption, but it's only good for 12 months. In 12 months, she has to refile for a medical exemption. Any other drug, you take a drug and you have a reaction like that, you we now list it as an allergy, okay? True. We would never give it to you again because you could have a hyper, you know, reactive response the second time and die, you know? But they're only giving her 12 months. So how are you, you, know? how are you told about your job now that you're getting? You're uh, through, on, you're, emails, you're, oh. through emails. We were getting a lot of email communications. Uh, right off the bat, um, right off the bat, as soon as it was out there, we were handed uh, information from our nurse managers that we had to fill out um, a questionnaire to say if we did or did not get um, vaccinated uh, with the COVID vaccines and um, to show proof, blah, blah, blah. I told her right off the bat, her name's Kelly. I was like, listen, I'm like, this is a HIPAA violation. I'm not answering it. Plain and simple. That's none of your business. And uh, she's like, you know, it got to the point where they even threatened us through emails saying that if you- What's the point of having HIPAA laws Mm -hmm. if you can't use them 
for your own, you know, Thank for your you. own <laughs> privacy. Exactly. I don't understand. Well, what's the point of the whole thing? Because they kept on saying, well, this is uh, this is different, you know, because this is a New York State Department of Health, um, you know, thing. emergency, and then uh, whatever. You know, yeah, we have to comply. That that was their answer. I'm like, you don't have to comply. It's not a law. You don't have to comply. But what happens is they don't get money if they don't comply. So they have to comply. So you mm -hmm. have, yeah, exactly. It's it's coercion. They're getting coerced yep. into doing it, and then that coercion then passes on to you. Mm -hmm. So what was the date? That was it. Was July of what? Twenty six. The mandate. I, I think it was. Uh, uh, it was announced. I got the email. I have to look it up. But again. I'm saying though. So that day comes. Do you go to work that day? Oh, you mean the actual day? The, it was, for uh, the mandate. Oh, I'm that sorry. It, I was uh, September twenty seventh. September twenty seventh. Mm -hmm. So At take, five p.m. So take us to I that. I worked to 6.30. So I worked an hour and a half unvaccinated after the mandate. So if anybody wants to get uh, my higher-ups in trouble, go for it. So okay. <laughs> so there you are on that day, 6.30. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that day leading up. Tell me about leading up to that day. Leading I mean, up to it, it was, it was horrible. Like like I said, people were getting bullied into getting it, the, 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 the fighting. In, did you put in a religious exemption? I did. And then what happened? Uh, got, well, so when I put in my religious uh, exemption, it was like on September 20th. Um, there was uh, a stay on the order. Like uh, there was a federal judge that put a stay on the order because originally um, when the first thing came out, you weren't allowed to have religious exemptions. Then somebody brought it to court to like, all right, you could have religious exemptions. And then the, you know, it was back and forth between the state and whatever. Can you explain so, what the religious exemption though? Is there a, some, what kind of questions you have to fill out or do so, you have to state what it is in regards to your religion yep. specifically that you don't want to do it? And can you tell us what you put on there? So uh, it was a piece of paper. Um, you know, what uh, on that piece of paper, I didn't like how it was worded. Because how you word it, like that means you have to be part of, uh, I'm not part of any religion. Like, you know, I, I believe they're all equally important. You know, it, like, it, you know, you can't sit there and tell somebody what their sincere relationship with the God above them is. And it all, most of it comes from. So they were categorizing it. They were categorizing it. You know, like, oh, if you're a Catholic, oh, the Pope says you could have it. I'm like. Yeah, yeah, I might be Catholic, and you know, we go to church, and you know, my son's an altar boy and stuff like that. But that's only because I want him to learn the word of Jesus, the way I learned it. But ultimately, I'm going to explain him my. Ultimately, I have my own relationship with, with my Maker. Yeah, I don't share that relationship. We don't all have that mm -hmm. same relationship yep. with our Maker. Mm -hmm. And for you categorizing it, you're basically saying I'm basically a sheep. Yeah. And whatever the Pope is saying, yep. is that what I have to do? Which is totally ridiculous, right? Yep. I mean, I can see where your frustration is. Yeah, it, it was. It was like you. You were like, no matter where you went, there was no good answer, right? Um, you know. So for me, you um, changed the wording. So what did you? So, so I just said, see attached letter. See attached letter. So what is it in your letter? Give me the gist of your letter. Um, my gist of my letter. I did, I wrote a seven-page letter about my experience in this world. My experience is what brought me to my understanding of why I need to follow what I feel God wants me to do. You know, like I have, I'm very strong in it. I, I literally, if you put a gun to my head and it meant, you know, sacrificing my life, you know, for something that I feel like God wanted me to do, I'd say pull the trigger, and I would not even blink. You know, that's that's like the level I believe in this. Um, you know, so I I basically some of my in the letter I use some of my trials of fire. Like remember how I said I went to Reno, my first travel assignment? That ended in a freaking disaster. You know, like um that was a moment where I, I met a girl, <laughs> you know, it was just uh she was a beautiful Southern Belle. Her name is Barbie. Uh she was uh she was also a nurse, she was a travel nurse. 
I'll, I'll never forget. Like she wound up coming like a couple days after. Like I started on the floor. I was at it was at renowned uh, regional medical center in Reno, Nevada. And uh, you know, went ahead. Uh, I, I'll never forget the day she walked on the unit. I'm like, she's mine. You know, I was like, I'm. You know, that was it. I just there was no doubt in my mind. And you know, started. You know, how did you use program. that into your thing, though? How does that? <laughs> Wait till this story ends. Um, so we basically, you know, whatever. We wound up, you know, dating, and everything was good. And there was signs that were not right. Something was not right, and people were warning me. And like, you know, I, I, I even my gut. Like, you know, remember how I said I, I listened to my heart. You know, because I know there's that feeling. That there's a dreadful feeling, and like I knew what I was doing was wrong with her. You know, I knew I should not have been near her. I should not have done it. I should have listened to my inner thoughts and whatever it was, whatever it was, it was. And I kept on dating her. And just one night out of nowhere, um, I come home. She's already in my apartment. Uh, she she was already obviously drinking, you know, and she was a little combative, but you know, whatever. You know, I was like, eh. you know, so we, we had dinner and, you know, we watched a movie and all stuff and. Then out of nowhere, she just started becoming, she was just drinking heavier and heavier and heavier. And then all of a sudden she started getting more and more belligerent. And, um, you know, basically, uh, I just remember getting to the point where, like, it got so bad in there. I remember walking into the bathroom, looking right in the mirror at myself and saying, God, I don't care how this ends. Get this woman out of my life now. And I just remember just being so angry and just putting all this anger into the, you know, into the moment. And then I stepped outside and I'm like, listen. You know, because uh, I had her key to her apartment. I was like, here's your key. Threw it on the table. I was like, get the F out of my house. You know, and that was it. And, and Wait, wait. So, so here, you know, are you saying because you had that conversation with God, that that conversation and him telling you what is right from wrong is how you portray that into your letter that you've been always following yes. God's advice. And this is just one experience. I had many experiences where I, if I don't follow that feeling, and you're it, saying that feeling ends. though is coming from God. That's what you're saying. God created my heart, hundred percent. Okay, so you write this seven-page religious mm -hmm. exemption. You submit it. Who do you submit it to? And that, yeah. Well, let me let me just finish that story because this this is where it gets like you know okay. violent. Um, so after I threw the key on the table, I was very pissed off and because I had to work the next morning. I turned around, and um, she always had a pistol on her, you know, and all I heard was- No, I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you mean? So, she always she, had a- Is she, it she, State? Yeah, she's, uh, she's from North Carolina. She always had a gun on her. Okay, because I've never you know? had, never experienced that, so go ahead. So, uh, you know, everywhere we went, it was always in, whether in the car, like, it was just there, you know, I'm-, I'm Whatever, freedom. You know, everybody has their own life. Okay, yeah, I, I'm so, totally cool with it, but I never experienced a girl just everywhere we go has yep. a pistol on her. Hip. So I didn't know she had it on her then, you know. And when I was walking away, I heard the, the you know, the click, 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 you know. And then I just turned around and she's just screaming at me, you know, pointing this thing in my face. And I was at a point where. I was too far away to jump at her to stop it, but I was too close to where I had nowhere to go. I was stuck in a corner, and I was like, and I just remember like, mm, this is it? This is gonna fucking hurt. And uh, and then uh, you know she was screaming at me like, and then she just like ah fuck it, and she just jumped down on the ground, and you know so then I kind of got out of the way, and uh, you know she's on the floor and she's like curling herself up to the bed. And uh, I was like, crying. Oh. She was crying, screaming, okay. total mess. I'm like, I gotta get this girl to a section. And I'm like, this is crazy. So I, you know, I finally come up to her, and I was just like, 
Yeah, I just, I, I literally came right over and like, like my head was like, I'm coming up next to her, like right next to her head, like, you know, and I just remember saying, hey, Barbie, pop! And it was just like- Oh, you scared me, fucking, fuck. Exactly, you're scared welcome. Scared the shit out of me. Yeah, that's how I felt. Her fucking head exploded. Whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. She shot herself, she killed herself, right in front of me. I was like, as close as I am to this microphone is as close as I was to her head, all right? When I say God will sit there, if you do not listen to him, you will, you will understand why you didn't listen to him. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. So I, that's, I mean, that is in my religious exemption with other things wait, too. Wait, wait, though. But hold on. This is, I mean, here you are, that pop. First of all, I mean, for people that day, know I fire. I still smell the bullet. I still smell the gunpowder. I mean, because you know, everybody knows whoever shoots a gun, how loud it is. That's mm -hmm. A. Mm -hmm. Where did she sh she shot it in her chin, her face, her head, she her temple? She was like this. She was bent down like this, so her head was like this, like facing down. And I came over this way, and her it went that way. Her whole head exploded, basically. Uh, pretty much, yeah. It was a hollow point. So, so I, I mean, now here comes the criminal lawyer in me, right? Mm -hmm. Because of everything that I've been trained to, or whatever. Now you got to make sure that it's not you that killed her. Well, right? they, did, it, they did a whole investigation. That's what I'm yeah, saying, yeah. though, right? Oh, so yeah, the cops are so there. So it's not, it's, this is not something that, see, people right away, they call the cops, and then next thing you know, the cops are going to come in and play good cop, bad cop, and next thing you know, you're a suspect. Oh, yeah, right I'm, away I was a suspect. They, they, you know, the, the guy, I mean, he was cool about it. He's like, listen, there's a dead body in your apartment. We are going to go and ahead. With a gun. With a gun. Um, we, there is a process. Like just, we're gonna ask you a bunch of questions. We're gonna take your clothes. We're gonna check your fingernails. We're gonna do this, this, and this. He, we walked me through the steps. He was really did good because I was a mess at that point. <laughs> did you ever touch the gun? No, I mean, um, prior to the yeah, shot it yeah, absolutely. Oh, because that's yeah. that. Now but, you got your fingerprints on the gun. Yeah, so that's but bit. The, the the I think the saving grace on that is because how she was on it. There's no way I was getting underneath her and trying to get that angle and stuff. She was on the ground, like on it. Yeah, but that's got to go through the lab. That's got to do a Dexter type, you know, mm -hmm. situation. The yep. show Dexter, yeah. the guy that does the the splash, the blood splash, mm -hmm. and all of that. So it's not like you know you're living, even though you know in your heart and you know you were there that you didn't do it. There's still the possibility that these people are going to try to say, "Hey, listen." Come in. We want to talk to you again, and we want to talk to you again. That was the did, first thing from my mind. But, did uh, you ever lawyer up? No, I just and went, nothing I, ever happened. It was just no, I went to the, the precinct. Um, they kept me overnight. Uh, the next morning, they kept you overnight. Well, yeah, with questioning and stuff like that. They had to do with their investigation. They had, you know, whatever they were doing. There's in never my a time in your mind at that point that you could be. You think that this could be framed on you, and you can can't get out of it because nobody else was there, and this is what they're going to story they're going to go with. Um, I was on an emotional roller coaster from that moment. One moment I was like calm as can be, felt nothing. Next moment, crying my eyes out. Did you have I blood all over you? Uh, no, the way it went, it went that way. It, you know, I mean, there could have been something. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember. How was the the you know, the nine? How do you you call the police? Like, how does that happen? Like, what do you do? You you got to make this so, phone call. Somebody got shot. Like, it's yeah, this phone the, call that nobody ever anticipates they're going to make. Th this was the weirdest part. Like for me, it was just like uh, everything was so surreal. Like you know, all of a sudden I'm I grab my cell phone, try calling nine one one. Nothing. Can't get through. Can't get through. And I, I remember like. I, I walked because I had to get my phone was in my bedroom, and then I kept on walking out. I'm like, that didn't happen. And I walked back into the room, like, 
fuck, that happened. I go back into my. You had a dead body in yeah, there. I was like, I was back you and forth with a dead body. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you know, totally, I was in shock. I know, like you know, I recognize you know shock, and I was complete shock. And uh, you know, it got to the point where I could not get through on my phone. So I opened up the door, and I remember like banging on my neighbor's doors. Nobody was answering. Like nobody. It was just like, and the craziest thing is like. You know, it's like, it's it's Reno. It's, you know, mountainous area. It's usually windy. It's, you know, it's always cold. It was like dead calm. It was like the most eeriest feeling ever. It was like I was, I never felt so alone in my life. How long were you dating her for? Month and a half. It was, we were in the honeymoon phase of a, of a relationship. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> but I, I mean, I think it would have been a little different if you said you were dating her for two years or whatever. But did you ever go back into the room and I pick to, up, the, the, you know what I'm saying, and and- Sit down next before anybody came and maybe hugged her and said, "What did you do? No. Why did you do this?" Well, for, like you know, what I mean, and maybe pick up the body and hold her too close to you. No, Nothing that I knew not to do. Um, so, like, you know, basically, at smart. That, yeah, at that time, um, you know, I had to run downstairs. There was this little old lady. She uh, that lived downstairs to me. She was always sweet to me. You know, so I went ahead and knocked on the door. She let me in. And um, you know, she let me use a phone. And I'm sitting there on the phone with nine one one. And uh, the lady's like, you know, you have to go back in the room to see, you know, they're like, is she still alive? I'm like, no, she's dead. They're like, are you with her now? I'm like, no, I'm downstairs. They're like, oh, you're a nurse? You need to get in that room right now. And uh, I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, like, there's laws in this state. You are a first responder. You need to get in that room right now and you have to check her pulse. You you know, she might, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I'm telling you, she has no head. You know, they're like... They didn't care. So they made me call on the cell phone. We got in touch. I had to walk back up in that room. And uh, I remember now this was, it was freezing cold out that night, freezing outside. I walked in that room. It was so hot, like the hottest ever. And it's like, I just remember the smell of blood. I smell of uh, gunpowder. And, um, you know, I just went close to her and I knelt down and I literally just put my hand on her back. I'm like, She's not breathing. I'm, she's done. And that was it. And then I walked out of the room. It's and a hard the, story you know, to go back from now. All of a sudden, we're going to go back into the vaccine mandates yeah. here. Jesus. So that, if there's a, ever a reason why I have my beliefs, believe me, I've, I've been through hell. That, that was just one story. I got, I got, I've been through hell quite a few times in my life. Um, you know, so it's just I don't, I don't, it, that stuff, you can't sit there and tell me that I, my, what I sincerely believe is my connection with my my creator, is you know I have to go against that now. Yeah. When I'm having the same feeling I had that led up to that night. Okay. You know. So 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 you you put in this religious exemption. Yeah. To and, the office of equity and access, which is a freaking waste. So, I don't know from this day who saw it. I don't know what their, um, you know, and I asked What their for, procedures are. Yeah, what their procedures are. What's their religious beliefs? Do they have any uh, Facebook posts that, you know, sit there and, uh, you know, talk badly about Christians? Um, you know, like, th- these are things I want to know. I have no idea who even looked at it. I don't even know if they read it. What I do know is I got uh, denied on October 6th, even though the stay on that order uh, for religious exemptions was October 12th. This is I know that you have this the suspension letter. Is that something that you got then afterwards? Uh, yeah, after uh, we, you have that suspension letter that yep. you can put up there, Eric. So after um, after you know it got denied, and uh, you know th- this is basically the, I have a similar letter says basically the same exact stuff. 
um, that you know the you know New York State is going to put five charges against our licenses for not going uh, you know getting the vaccine. You know, as you can see, it's misconduct, derelict of duties, all for not you know abiding by an unelected body's recommendations. You know, the New York State Department of Health, right? So I didn't elect them. But they're going to tell me what I can and cannot do with my body against what I feel is my religious beliefs. So that last day in September when you said you worked that hour and a half overtime, you mm-hmm. leave that day. And you Not overtime, it was straight time, but yeah. Straight time, but you never, you've, you've never gone back to the hospital since? Uh, just for rallies with Senator Matera, who's awesome. He's been, he's been our, uh, you know, our bulldog in, uh, up there. He's trying to get us to, you know... Uh, he's been trying to help us. He's been, at, you know, him, uh, Joe DeStefano. We have a lot of good, uh, you know, politicians that, you know, we had three different rallies uh, to protest Stony Brook, and uh, I will definitely have to give a shout out to them because they they brought a lot of, you know, uh, you know, a lot of eyes in on us, you know, so people could see. So when you found out though, okay, because the vaccine when it came out, everyone thought you know, you know, and the CDC director Rochelle Walensky, she came out. Dr. Fauci came out and said, "Hey, listen, if you get vaccinated, and even Joe Biden, President of the United States, if you get vaccinated, you don't have to worry about getting COVID, giving COVID, and you don't have to wear a mask, right?" Mm-hmm. So now you sit there and you, you you see that, and then when you think about a mandate in a, in a way, you're like, okay, you can maybe see then, in a way, even though you want we live in America, but. If the vaccine did everything what it said it was going to do, mm-hmm. you they could have, have 30% a thirty percent of their staff out with full, fully vaccinated staff of COVID. Yeah, but I'm saying though is you would you you think that they maybe have a leg to stand on then, right? Because just just yeah. what I'm saying, just because if the vaccine is what they say it is, mm-hmm. but then, okay, you start finding out, and then they start retracting. People who get the vaccine can get COVID, can give COVID. Now they got to wear a mask. Now they're being hospitalized. Now they're having complications. And now the vaccine itself, which is really crazy to me here, is Mm -hmm. that you may have gotten this vaccine, say, a year ago. That that vaccine waned right off. You may as well now be in the category of an unvaccinated person. But yet, you could still go to New York City with your vaccine passport and your Mm -hmm. card. You could still eat there. I can't. I don't know whether or not you can, but what I'm saying is, is it makes no sense. But did you, now that you see that this vaccine is not as effective as what they said, like you said, you got mm-hmm. sold, you know, a bag of goods. Do you now, did you think that maybe there's a possibility that they would lift these mandates because it makes no sense? Anyone who's vaccinated or unvaccinated can get and give and transmit COVID the exact same way. Did you have hope? Uh, we did have hope. Uh, me and my wife definitely were hoping <laughs> against all hope. I mean, we had to finally put our house up for sale. We're actually moving out of state because of all this. Um, you know, cause, but that's that's horrible. Yeah, I mean, we it's life changing. Yeah, they're forcing you. Yep, uh, and pick up our uprooting three kids. You know, my oldest, uh, he's deaf. He has cochlear implants. You know, like you know, we we're used to Dr. Van Butis uh, at um, uh, Northwell over at Lij. Um, it's it's tough. I mean, there's there's a lot def- that goes in there. They're young, you know. They got schools. We have to look forward. Uh, Where are you going to move to? It's <laughs> a million dollar question. So everywhere we go, there's always been an issue, you know. Like uh, we in November, me and my wife, we went down to South Carolina. So we're in the Lexington, Columbia area. Everything was awesome. And uh, the next morning, we wake up. We go start applying at hospitals, and right away they're like, "Oh, you didn't hear." 
they're going to be mandating the vaccine because uh, Biden put in his mandate come um, uh, December 5th or whatever it is. And now this is November. We're looking at each other like, <laughs> well, there goes South Carolina, you know. But uh, it wound up, it wasn't all the hospital system. So we're going to be on, We're going. we narrowed it down to like the South Carolina-Georgia border. I'm going to be doing a travel assignment uh, in Florida. I have no choice. I have to make money at this point, you know, so I have to leave my family, you know. Uh, my three kids, my wife, leave them alone as they're packing up a house to sell. So you can you go know, put so food I, on the table. Yeah. You have a list there of certain things. I wanted to make sure that you had before, you know. I got most of it. Uh, the only things I didn't uh, talk about is like, you know, like, again, like things you could do other than the vaccine, like, you know, the, the Zelenko protocol. I mean, are you familiar? No, I didn't hear. What is so, it? Say uh, that again. Do, uh, Doctor Zelenko. Zelenko protocol. Yeah. Okay, so, so it's named after a doctor. Yep. Okay, uh, so explain it, that. It's basically, uh, you know, he has the more, um, you know, the vitamin approach. You know, keep yourself healthy. Do what you could do to boost up your immune system. All right. Um, so to, to to combat whether or not COVID. Yep. So, so he has two protocols: one to keep you from getting COVID, and one if you get COVID. And uh, the one to get COVID has, I don't know if I could say it on here. Ivermectin? Yeah, oh, you could say it. Okay, good. <laughs> Sometimes you get uh, booty. Well, we're already gone oh, from okay. YouTube. This is not going on YouTube. This is only on Rumble now. Okay. We're, we're done. That's good. That's yeah. only on Rumble. <laughs> yeah, we were five minutes in and we were done Yeah, <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I've already been suspended three times from them because of talking about vaccines. So yep. this show won't be on there. It'll be on Rumble. So that being said, a couple of questions that I have for you, just you know, uh, whether or not you have an expertise in it or you just your opinion on it. Where do you think that the virus came from? Uh, well, it's, you know, the stuff that was coming out uh, with the Fauci emails. I mean, it's they're working on it. They're, you know, the, you know, our government was paying for it, you know, in Wuhan, China. It came out in Wuhan, China. Uh, you know, so do you think that the United States is just as culpable as, say, China because they put that grant from North Carolina? No, no, it's definitely not the United States. It's definitely not the Chinese people. It's not. It's not anybody. There's there's elites in this world that rule this world. You know, you got the you know. You're going into you're going into the deep well, state stuff. Yeah. He, he's going into the deep state. There. But there okay. is there is like think about it. there's like you got people multi multi billionaires right. That you know, you got um, like uh, what's his um, George Soros, yeah, George Soros, the Rothschilds, um, then you got um, so Bill Gates himself. You're saying so, let, 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 let's just get this here. And this is you, my theory. I have um, not an intelligence officer, I know this is just I, I'm, I look opinion, at the writing on the wall and it makes sense. It's so, the you're most saying that sense you, to me. so you don't think that this virus actually came out of Wuhan? No, I do think it came okay, out. but you think that it was a planned 100%. Virus. Yep. You don't think that it was leaked out? No. Nope. What happened? You don't think it was an accident? You thought no, it was. Purposely. You think it's on purpose? Hundred percent. Why? Uh, there was an election. All right. And again, what? I'm sure you've seen Trump's rallies, right, before the election, and I'm sure you saw Biden's couple people in the in the parking it, lot yeah. honking the horn. Exactly. In right? five little circular. Uh, destinations in the parking lot. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, I, I look at it from, like, you know, war, you know? What would I do if I wanted to go to war, you know? And if you wanted to go to war, United States, and you, like, we have the best military in the world. You cannot, there's not one country on this world, I mean, that could go toe-to-toe with us long-term and make it. So, how would you go about it? Start slow. Start in the schools. Start in the colleges. Start putting in politics. You know, start getting your people out there. Do it over time. You got time. You're talking about propaganda at this point. Not propaganda. I'm talking about infiltration. 
You're, you know, inf- okay. Infiltrate from within but over infiltra- a period of time. Now, this didn't happen overnight. No, but I know. But this is what I'm trying to say is, is, is you're saying that the universities, the schools, you're talking about just a way of thinking, a cultural mm-hmm. difference, yeah. right? Like you're saying yeah. CRT and stuff mm-hmm. like that, whatever. The woke crowd. So you, yeah, the woke crowd. So you start infiltrating that way. Mm-hmm. And then once you start doing that, then so so tell me, where do you think the vaccine, I mean, not the vaccine, maybe the vaccine, but where does COVID then come in? So you're, you're, you're doing all this stuff and you have a plan, right? And you wanted certain people in. And like, you know, I don't know if you've been following the stuff on the Dominion machines and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, Smartmatic, Dominion, yeah. Venezuela, so, all of it. So, you you know, and if anybody does their research, if you don't believe me, do your research. I'm not even going to go over it here. It's too much. But, it you know, it's obvious that there is somebody, again, nothing happens in this world without the okay of the handlers. The handlers are the Soroses, the Rothschilds, and blah, 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 right? Nothing. I know people in different uh, secret societies. I know what happens, you know? And so with that being said, why would you not think that these people who are in every corporation and all these corporations are so intertangled, the only thing in their way of full domination and full control over you, your sovereign body, is our constitution. So what better way to get it? They knew they were going to get it. They just needed time. Well, not only that, too, how do you circumvent the Constitution Mm -hmm. is through an emergency. Yes. Through a pandemic. Exactly. So you can have then this emergency situation. Mm -hmm. But But first you want to condition people with uh, programming. You know, television is television. That's what I'm saying, propaganda. Yes, and programs like, you know, Walking Dead of, you know, apocalypse stuff. Everything was apocalypse stuff leading up to this. You notice that? So, you know, I, I do. Now that you say it, it may be there, but I'm not, I wouldn't be so keen into it. But what I really think, in my opinion, is is you had a guy that came into office that actually then tried to put a stop to mm-hmm. certain things. They couldn't have their way. First of all, everybody's in love with China money. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Yep. Donald Trump came in there and circumvented that. How do you get Donald Trump? How do you ch- be able to change laws? How do you try? You know, you're saying all of this stuff was totally planned and probably why it happened at that particular time is because Donald Trump was basically guaranteed to get reelected. Mm-hmm. So my question is this just and it's not just in in America. China benefited on a lot of different things. Look at the protest in Hong Kong at that same time. They had 2 million people protesting daily. They weren't moving. They couldn't get them out. They even brought in all the military and well, surrounded think about them. Well, think about what else happened. So the supply chain here, mm-hmm. now we have empty shelves. Oh, supply having, chain? Uh, oh, you want to talk about supply chain? Remember how the PPE, nobody had PPE? Yeah. And you've seen Stony Brook nurses and garbage bags and stuff like that? Are you aware that Stony Brook at any given moment has a three-month supply off-site of everything? Everything. Everything. So there's three never going to be- There never, should never have been- Oh, we don't have gloves. We don't have this. I, I was working with them. I mean, like when I was doing, uh, you know, uh, like at one point, you know, as the numbers were coming down, I wound up doing phlebotomy, and I was going floor to floor to floor. You wanna? Did you get that picture? There's a picture of us, and I'll I'll show you what we looked like, and I'll explain exactly what you're seeing there. So there's us. Uh, that's uh, I'm not sure what floor it's actually on, but that's in the main. Look corridor. like you're on the way to Mars. Yeah. So that's uh, that's me over there on the right, uh, and that's the team of people, the phlebotomists. Uh, that we were head to toe, right? Everything you see there wearing, we were going floor to floor, room to room, not changing it. Why? Because we didn't have anything to change into, so we had no choice but to wear this stuff. And how do we get from floor to floor? The main elevators. 
and how many people like saw sardines in that main elevator. Everybody's yeah. in and out, in yeah. and out, touching this, touching yeah. that. So think but, about that. <laughs> if this is a true pandemic, that should not have happened. And at a time when there should be, I mean, at this point when I was finally doing this, it was after that three month part. So maybe, but. There, there should be no reason. In the beginning, when everybody was running out and nobody had PPE right from the get-go, bullcrap. That that should have been... So so let me ask you this, though. So based on everything, what you're saying is there's no way that Donald Trump would ever win in 2024 based on what your opinion would be, right? No. I, I My opinion is uh, there is a plan. So... You know, what, what did he say prior to, right? He was constantly saying over and over and over again, listen, you know, we caught them. Red-handed, we caught them, right? After the election, they caught them. You know about devolution? No. So uh, one of the uh, executive orders that Trump put in is a thing called devolution. It basically states, and you know, it was because of COVID is why they did it. But uh, in times of, um, you know, that our uh, elected officials or whatever, there's a crisis to the point where uh, whether it be nuclear war, pandemic, whatever the reason, if we don't have elected officials, like they get all wiped out for whatever reason, the military takes over. Okay makes a little more sense why now you're seeing the National Guard getting deployed everywhere. But the military will take over in those times, right? So now bring you back to the election. They caught him. They caught them. That's what he said, all right? So if that's the case, then that means they knew prior, because he was talking at his rallies before it all got shut down about how they were going to cheat. He explained it to everybody. If he knew that, do you not think you know, especially when he wrote that devolution thing, he had the military. Do you understand what Space Force even does? Space Force isn't about, you know, we're hanging out in space and fighting off aliens and stuff. You know, Space Force is about cyberspace. That's what the whole purpose, everything, these phones, everything goes through satellite communications and it could be monitored, right, at any given time. So Space Force, I could guarantee you, is probably watching all this as it was as it was playing live so and the fact that they already were caught you know then you just need the right circumstances to slowly wake up your public because when you know the public I don't think is going to fully digest the fact that um, they not only were subverted but literally um, you had outside actors put in their puppet you know which is Biden you know I get, like, it's amazing. You don't have to. I yeah, know. I know so what you're saying. You know, you know what I'm yeah, saying. So, yeah, I understand like, what you're saying. So, with that being said, um, you know, look at the Durham report, right? You know, right before Trump got out of office, he declassified everything at the Durham. Everything. They got everything. You know, then, you know. Still waiting, though, to see. I mean, he got a couple waiting. of arrests, but, you know, let's go on. Let's get on with it here. Let, let's do something. People need, you know, that. that's the thing with me. Yeah. But you know what? Like, you know, look at uh, the Revo uh, American Revolution, right? Uh, I mean, uh, when we first uh, went uh, against Britain from- The Revolutionary War. The Revolutionary War. Like, you know, like it, that took six years. You know, the first things that were being put into place, you know, the Tea Party, all that stuff, it, you know, all the way up to leading up to them writing a document. It took six years. Sometimes the best things take time. Okay. And just, it sucks. And what better way to wake up the public? And because and, if this all came out at once, when the media, like look at now, like CNN, like they're all of them, all their their ratings have plummeted, right? So now nobody's trusting the media. If this, ha if they came out around the January sixth event, which I was at January sixth, 
total FF false flag. I don't care what anybody says. I'll go back to that in a second. But if they went ahead and came out and explained to everybody why they're arresting people, not only arresting people, like these are treasonous things, but but you literally subverting our constitution and putting somebody, an unelected official into spot, like that's treason on a level that's hangable. Like that's a hangable offense, right? Like you imagine if, you know, some of the people like, uh, you know, the sources of the world and stuff like that, if they're hanging, like people would not accept it. They don't accept it. So you have to slowly explain it to them. So I feel that they are puppets and they're letting them do whatever. Like, this is my own personal opinion. Again, I'm not a CIA or anything. You know, This is just what makes logical sense to me. I look at it as war. They were fighting a war of information. And, you know, this isn't like, you know, going out with guns and tanks and blah, blah, blah. You have to get your population. If you want we the people to have the power back and that's your war, you need to explain in a way that they can understand what, you know, the, to the we the people why this happened, why we need to be pissed off why we can never let this happen again. I agree with you. Right? Yeah, and, I understand what you're saying. So I'm I'm on the, the fence of, I think Biden is already, he's just a puppet playing the I think the he's part. compromised. I think he's already compromised. I think he's compromised mm-hmm. with Ukraine. That's why mm-hmm. he has to do everything because of his son, Hunter. And then he's also mm-hmm. compromised through Hunter through China. Yep. And that's why he has to, and he's in a bind here because you have Russia about to do that with, yeah, it is, yeah, we can, well, we can wrap it up. It's 220. Oh, yeah. I got to go. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. Let me do, so let's just, I just want to say thank you. No problem. To everything. I know you got to go. I, uh, you have to go pick up your kids. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. to call my mother-in-law right now. All right. Um, um, but thank you so much for coming on here. I really appreciate it. How can people contact you? Or how can they follow you? Um, I don't have anything. I'm just on um, uh, Telegram right now. I'm Tommy D 75. Tommy D 75. Hey, yep. listen, I know you got to go to kids. It happens. No All right. Thanks. Thank you so much, brother. And with that being said, another edition of the Joe Cozo Show. Make sure you go to MyPillow.com. T-J-C-S is the promo code. And with that being said, thank you, Tommy. Thank you, man. We're out of <laughs> here. <laughs> oh, shit. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. But that wraps it up for another edition of the Joe Cozo Show. Hee <laughs> hee.